begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Star Raptor and me, Chris, joined by Milton and Ben. We're here for Outer Rim Transmission number 48. On this week's episode, we are going back into our Star Wars commentary series. We are in the middle of two trilogies. We are going with Solo A Star Wars Story. We are starting with our first of the standalone movies. We're going chronologically through the series last we left off at episode three. So we are now 10 years further along the way in the timeline where that 19 year gap. So uh, before we get started, if you guys want to go ahead, if you're listening, if you're watching live, go ahead, get your Disney Plus account set up, get your DVDs, your Blu-rays, whatever you plan on watching it. And uh, we'll let you know with a countdown when we're ready to get started. While you're doing that, I'm going to just ask the guys here in the chat, how's it going, guys? I'm good, man. Uh, it's, it's glad to be back on the podcast. I wasn't here last week, um, but no, I'm I'm good. I'm excited. I haven't seen Solo in how long, so this is going to be a, I guess, a fresh take. I guess tonight for me, just to see what it's like to see Young Han Solo again. Yeah, Ben. I mean, when's the last time you watched Solo? Um, I actually watched Solo the other day, like <laughs> on um, Monday, actually. Um, Funny story is so like I uh, I ended up watching it because one of my cousins were over and and he was like oh you you know uh, you guys since you guys are gonna do solo on Friday uh, like we should watch it now to like film review it I was like okay so uh, so yeah we ended up watching it and yeah so I just watched it four days ago well it's fresh on your mind so you're gonna be our our person to go to for any kind of uh, hints or anything like that because. I probably haven't seen it in about a year, at least myself. So I'm, well, I'm looking forward to getting into it myself. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing with me. Like that was the first time I've seen that in well over a year. I would say probably since like Thanksgiving of 2020, probably 2020, like a year and a half. Probably is the last time I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite cool that we're watching this now because if you guys are excited we're getting a marvel comic series that's going to be an ongoing series written by the same guy that wrote a lot of the era episodes on the cw and i'm blanking on that guy's name so if you guys can save me because i know you both watch i believe era it's episodes. uh is it, it berlanti the other uh, one or, or guggenheim that's Guggenheim. The yeah. one. It's guggenheim. Mark guggenheim yeah. is writing we're getting a, 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 a TV writer to write a Han Solo and Chewbacca series that's going to take place right after the... Or not, I wouldn't say right after the events of the movie we're going to watch tonight. But this Han Solo and Chewbacca story is going to take place a couple years before A New Hope, them working with Jabba. So I don't know if this is kind of like Lucasfilm's way of saying, hey, uh, we're pretty much done with the idea of getting a Solo spinoff because we always see the Twitter followings every once in a while. It spikes up, you know, make Solo 2 happen, and that gets a lot of traction, but... Who knows? Who knows? But at least we got this really fun movie to look forward to. A lot of Indiana Jones-esque adventure in this one. For those of you that are watching live, you can always download our podcast. Search Outer Rim Transmission on Spotify, on Google, on, on Apple, on any of those services, and you'll find us there. Make sure you give us a rate on Spotify as well. And if you're listening, you can always watch and tune in live and join the chat as we go every night around 9 o'clock Eastern on Fridays. Um, you also can go to our Teespring store to get our merch there as well. Again, search Outer Rim Transmission. So, well, without further ado, we're going to get into this because simply, well, there's not really any Star Wars news this week. Maybe there'll be more next week. We'll see what we'll do next week. 
but we have plenty of other movies to do a commentary for, so there's no shortage of those if there's another slow news week. Um, but if you guys are ready, I will uh, kind of begin the countdown here. Yep. All right, so for everybody that's Actually, you watching... Know what? Okay. Before we start, before we start, I got something funny that's going to make you guys laugh, okay? I just want to shout out and give a public apology to J.J. Abrams, all right? So because I went back and watched The Force Awakens... Uh, like a week ago, I like I like the film. It's not horrible. Last Jedi, you know how I feel about it. Rise <laughs> of Skywalker. Looking at that movie again, I still not a fan of it. But JJ tried, and I can't blame him for trying to course correct what Ryan Johnson did. So I just want to say, JJ, I'm sorry for all the hate that I've given you, but I know <laughs> you tried. <laughs> oh man. Like I, I, I legit honestly I watched that movie and thinking, you know what? He is trying and it's not his fault. Because he set it up well in the first movie. I'll give him credit. But then it's like, you know what? They brought him back to try to save the franchise and he just couldn't do it. And yeah. I and I, I can't I can't blame him for that. I'm wondering if we'll ever get that behind the scenes story. If somebody will ever release it, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But no, I figured like I'd throw it out there. Say, yeah, like I always say, I'd love to get some of these people and an off-the-record conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. But, uh, well, we'll get to that trilogy one of these days. And, man, oh, man, I can't wait to get into that. That's going to be a fun commentary. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, all right, so without further ado, everybody that's on Disney+, Plus, everybody that's on their DVD player, well, specifically Disney+, Plus, start the video, grab your little cursor at the bottom, your little timestamp thingy, and drag it all the way to the left because we're all going to start at the same time. And three, two, one, here we go. And this is, you know, where we get no crawls in Star Wars anymore. These are the first movies. We have this and Rogue One where we just kind of get that cold open. Right. And this was something different because I think Lucasfilm seen kind of the backlash with Rogue One and was like, all right, well, we got to give some kind of... Uh, some kind of like um, thing here about what's coming up or, or backstory. So they have done this like Blade Runner esque sort of like opening with these, but it's pretty cool. I like the music behind here. Yeah, I forgot about the whole like words and stories that they're telling. I mean, I know we get that in the traditional films, but in this sense, I like they how they did this because I actually get kind of goosebumpy when I when I first saw this part, and it felt it was very, uh, in my opinion, like. Like not like a horror film, but like very much an evil feel. What they're trying to set up? What oh, this is Corellia, right? The yeah. planet that he's on. Yeah. yeah. So, well, to me, I really felt like it. Uh, you know, it really set the mood of like war times, basically, and like you know, um, basically, yeah, basically just that. Like, there's unrest in the galaxy after the fall of the Republic. So, uh, you know, the Empire is still trying to take take control of things right now. Right. And fun thing to think about. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but isn't it right about this time of this movie when Kenobi would be happening? Uh, at this point, yeah. I mean, yeah. This this is three years before, so this is like seven years after. Okay. But yeah, when we get further into the movie, it's basically concurrently running with okay. Kenobi. Yep. But yeah, I mean, what did you guys think about like the the film's not having a crawl to start with is that was that something that rubbed you the wrong way like no every star wars thing needs to have a crawl no i i, I thought i mean i went into these movies 
thinking that it didn't need one and I didn't expect it to because they're not part of the main, you know, saga films. Mm-hmm. You know, these were standalones that, that tied into the universe, obviously. But, like, Clone Wars didn't have an uh, opening crawl. You know, um, mm-hmm. like, that's okay. Like, I, I don't need it. I need it to be somewhat different. And, and it helps build the universe. It helps build Star Wars in general. It's, it was different type of storytelling. Yeah, yeah, and like like we said before, it sets up uh, that this is something that's not part of the Skywalker saga. These are other other things here, and it's like, wow, we're we're two minutes in, and we're already getting this kiss between Kira and Han Solo. It, it doesn't take long. This movie moves, man. All right. Oh yeah. More ways than yeah. One. Yeah. See, for me, I really didn't have a problem with it either. I was pretty much in the same boat as you, Milton, where it's like, hey. Save the uh, the crawl for the the main saga movies. I think just because they're you know they're like the events, like they are the pillars of Star Wars. You know all the episodes one through nine. You know they are the events. Like like heck, um, you know say what you want about like the sequel trilogy. When those movies movies came out, they were events versus just a spinoff movie. So like I definitely think they need to continue to save the crawl for the uh, like the numbered saga films. Right. Yeah, so I mean, we got the Rogue Squadron movie, and maybe that Old Republic movie, and some other things after that. So it'll be interesting, especially if they start a new saga. If we'll get a crawl, if it's a new saga, part of like a, a new trilogy or something, it makes sense with the standalone. You don't need it, but if they're trying to set a precedent. That's something, something differently here. But um, yeah, I mean, looking at where we are right now in the movie, we have a lot of this bluish kind of hue going on in the underbelly of Corellia, dealing with these. Uh, the, I, I forget what they're called, the, the Grindelids, which is, you know, Lady Proxima's, these worm-type creatures. I really like how they look almost like a Velociraptor. You have Moloch there, and he's got this big exosuit. And we've had a lot more of these characters showing up in the Star Wars, like um, publishing and different things in, in recent times. Like, there was a High Republic story that's just happened, um, Midnight Horizon, it, with dealing with the Grindelids and all this kind of thing. But what was your what was your reaction to Lady Proxima? She just emerges from the water here. It was something different. I mean, mm-hmm. I I love the I love the the design, the character. Um, you definitely know she was someone that you weren't going to relate to in a sense of you weren't you weren't going to like her. You know, mm-hmm. she just came off as like a jerk, and it was always these are kids, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, all right, come on, nobody likes to see kids being slaves. So it's like, all right, whatever, I ain't dealing with that. But no, it was, it was a good it was a good character. It's a good design too. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah. very right. much a centipede type of thing. It's like very all puppetry. I love how it's practical. I mean, we did so much with the CG and, and the sequel trilogy and all, um, or, the, or the prequels and all, but they, they really made it an effort to like make a lot of these these big puppets, which were neat. Right. Yeah. So oh, yeah. like when when I first saw this movie, I'm I'm sorry, Ben. I'll let you go in a second. Oh, you're, no, you're, when I first when I first saw done. this movie. I will say one of my criticisms initially was like how dark it was, mm-hmm. but then th- there's a reason why it's dark, right? Doesn't something happen with like the light? I think she doesn't like it. I don't remember, but I didn't like how dark it looked. Yeah, I, that was a common thing going around. It's like it's it's blue because it's so dark down there, essentially, because mm-hmm. they can't see the light. Oh yeah, I think that. I mean, that was one of the initial like critiques of mine even in the theater i was like man this is kind of dark like um for uh just the color palette yeah but uh you know like you said it plays into the story but still uh yeah i think the color palette could have been maybe a little bit lighter potentially um Mm -hmm. just for us as a viewing but viewing experience but overall like i thought it was it was okay it was fine 
Yeah, but I, I, you know, just this conversation with Kira and Han Solo, you're you're seeing the early parts of their character personalities really coming out. Like you got Kira, we get to see where she ultimately ends up, especially with the comics. How she's got a really kind of business savvy uh, experience that she's already showcasing at this early age, make trying to plea for deals and stuff like that. And then you have Solo, who's just playing by the seat of his pants, like thinking a freaking person's gonna buy that he has a thermal detonator in his hand and it's just a stone like right. like you really get this great character moments already right off the bat yeah well here's sure. a fun here's a fun thing for the viewers i remember reading when this came out um it was around the time it came out so uh basically from what i like looked into and was reading about it sounded like so the sequence with proxima with the thermal detonator all this stuff it sounded like this was actually one of the final scenes of the Lord and Miller cut, and it got moved clear to the front of this movie. Fun, fun little mm. thing to think about. Yeah, yep. I mean, that's the thing with this movie. It had so much problems with the directors. Like, it goes from Phil Lord and Chris Miller, then to Ron Howard helps finish it off. But it's like you wonder what stuff was from the, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller uh, different versions, right? Yeah, from what I've heard overall for this movie, it sounded like okay. So this proc the Proxima scene was Lord and Miller, and then the the Wookiee escape scene was Lord and Miller, and I think the um the scene where like the droids L uh, five like escapes like does does that whole thing. I think those were the three main things from the Lord and Miller cut that I've heard that are in this movie. Other than that, most of it sounds like it was, was like mostly Ron Howard for the rest of it. Yeah, I, I just love how we're in Corellia. I mean, this is a big, big Legends planet. We've we've heard so much about it, and we're actually seeing it on the big screen and in a really, really interesting time because Corellia, we know, it's like a big shipyard and different things. And if you're looking, you know, in the back of this speeder, this high-stakes speeder scene, you see, like, the Star Destroyer dishes being put on and different things like that, and it's just... Tie fighters in the factory. It's it's really cool to see like where we are in the timeline now. Well, yeah, you can definitely tell like this is very much the imperial time, and just how there is a lack of color. That that that's the biggest thing taken away from this movie. How this is imperial time. There's lack of color. There's really not a much hope mm -hmm. when it comes to Corellia. When it comes to just the people living on this this, this ship warship type of planet you know it's yeah it, it's cool to see how they how the empire in the world is i mean i do like this that's why i do like this movie because we get to see a different side of what the empire is all about there's a lot of world building for yeah the underworld but also for the empire itself yeah for sure dealing with the characters that aren't just jedi mm -hmm. oh yeah like i think i think one of the best parts the overall best features of this movie is the fact you know we're getting like kind of the underworld. Like I said, we're getting kind of non-Jedi, obviously non-Jedi characters. But also for me, I like this movie because it felt more of like a self-contained adventure versus, um, you know, big galactic. Like, you know, this isn't like what happens with Han here is not, you know, the end of the entire hope yeah. for Luke and Obi-Wan and everybody. You know, it's not galactic implications, which I'm totally fine. You know, unlike Rogue, Rogue, Squad or, uh, Rogue One, you know. This is a totally different um, thing. Like, no matter what happens in these in this movie to Han, like, it doesn't really impact the the galaxy overall. Like, you know, it's not mm -hmm. ending the Emperor's plans or anything. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, we get so tied up in a lot of these Star Wars stories. It's like it's life or death for for the entire galaxy, not for the characters. And it is great to shine a light in like some of the other parts that are important, but not galaxy, you know, destroying. <laughs> but yeah. Now, so. what's up with the? Um, I've always now. Did we see the dice in New Hope? Were they in that movie? They were like uh, Chewie bumps his yeah. head on him as he gets into his seat. Okay, because yeah. I remember seeing this for the first time, thinking, "What the hell's up with the dice?" But then I know we saw like a glimpse of them in the Force Awakens, and then we see him in, um, in the Last Jedi. Last Jedi, we see, yeah. Well, because yeah, that's right. Because then Last Jedi came out before this movie. Um, okay, because I don't remember seeing it in Empire and Return of the Jedi. Yeah, no, I, they weren't. They weren't in there. Okay, but but so they were established in New Hope, like so that's been. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't something big. I think they had another cut of the movie or something where they had a, a longer part in the movie or something. Like, okay. like, you could see a different angle or something where you've seen them for longer. But, yeah, it's like a blink-and-you-miss-it moment. So for okay. it to get, like, that much attention in this movie means, like, wow, they really went for, like, a deep cut. Yeah, and it's interesting because, um, you know, you have the visual dictionary I get for the different movies. It gives you a little bit more... Uh, backstory for some of the minor characters and it's like you have like for instance this one woman that's like the guard post of like the shuttles here and she's just like a Corellian worker but like the Empire is, is basically her boss sort of thing so it's like you have like the Empire which is just like in charge of everything at this point even just like the workers of, of some like union so I thought that was kind of kind of interesting I, I love reading those books like the day after I get the movie like oh now I can watch a movie and think about this differently Oh yeah, I mean those type of books are uh, always a great uh, a great tool when it comes to like learning more about the movie and that sort of stuff. Like I really hope, speaking of like those type of books, I hope we get those type of books as well for. So you know, um, I'm not sure if either of you know, but there's like for episodes one through six, there's like the whole uh, Star Wars like encyclopedia books that are like two hundred dollars for for like wow. one trilogy each. And, like, they are, like, the full deep dives, like, from start to finish of how Lucas, like, thought of them, etc. Like, I hope we get that for, like, episodes one through nine in these these movies as well. Just because, you know, there's such deep dives. Like, I would love to see more into this movie. I'd love to see more into, like, Rogue One and even the sequels just to hear, like, more of the thought processes behind it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to that scene, I think they did such a good job, everybody involved, with making that really emotional with the separation of Han and Kira. We have been watching this for not even 13 minutes, and I remember in the theaters, like, wow, like, I actually feel really, really bad about this. Like, they did a great job of really building up the right. suspense and the drama in that moment. Yeah, but say, this, this beginning is very, I guess, it's sad. It's very frightening, I guess, for this character. Like, it makes sense why Han Solo is not trusting of one people, but two, he's very much an individual. Well, yeah. that, and on top of it, too, you know, you don't know the stakes for Kira. Like, obviously, we know Amelia Clark's not going to get like knocked off at the beginning of this movie just because she's such a big actress. But if you watch this movie like blind without knowing the actors, like, you know, you're not going to know what's happened to Kira and you know everything like there's actually stakes yeah <laughs> i i think this is funny about his whole name situation here who are your people 
um, by myself. No, no solo. <laughs> I thought, see, I, I, it, that's just one of those like little cheesy, cheesy Star Wars things. Like you just kind of like roll your eyes at, it, and I'm like, okay, we'll deal with it. Like just like the the Rogue One, like don't choke on your aspirations thing to Krennic, and like you know th that type of dry humor is like, you know, it is what it is. I actually yeah. like that line. I, I, I like the Vader line, the aspirations line. That was kind of cool. Now, yeah, yeah the solo well, thing Vader's was kind of dumb. Yeah, that, that's his yeah. character. That, this line was kind of corny. Oh but my it worked, gosh. though. This part, like these two minutes of the movie, when they cut from him, like, what, are you flying in no time? And he's literally flying through the air in the middle of a battlefield, and you hear the, the freaking Imperial March in a way you've never heard it before, and there's people just getting blown to smithereens, walkers. It's just, this is incredible. I want yeah. to see more Star Wars like this. <laughs> well, I think uh, hopefully we'll be we getting get this like... and Andor. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, very much like Band of Brothers, like in the trenches, just everything, airborne troops and everything going around. Yeah, I I completely forgot that Beckett was like doing a job this whole time. I I I see. I haven't seen this movie in forever, and I forgot this part. Yeah, Milton, you're watching this like a new viewer as well. Yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> Man, this is well, this is fantastic. Well, here's the funny thing is, you know, when it comes to watching these movies and doing these commentaries, like. Like I would say, when it comes to a commentary, you know, if you're at interesting parts, like when the people that are supposed to be doing the commentary are sitting here, just like watching the movie right along with the, mm. the viewers and everybody else listening, because this movie's so good. Like there's so many good parts and like these, these sequences or these battle sequences that we're watching, like it just, it hits. I think it hits really well. Yeah. And that's a good point though. Cause like people was kind of like shitting on his movie. I don't know why, but this is actually a good film. Like I, I don't well, think it's a bad movie at all. I I know why, Milton. It's because uh, six and a half, seven months prior was the Last Jedi. Oh yeah, without question. I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to say it, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, like realistically, not to get too down that rabbit hole, push this movie back six months to December, and it hits a billion dollars probably. Well, and that's the thing, and I think everyone was wondering, like, because people were like, why don't they keep the Disney schedule or the December schedule? You know, like you guys were taking over December, and it made sense. Yep. I think, I think all with all the t turmoil of directors and reshoots, and I think they it just wanted help. to get it out. Yeah, I think I think the Last Jedi backlash didn't help because um, I don't want to solely oh, put it all in that film. And Endgame came out that two weeks later. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I I gotta say I love the costume design because it really recalls like World War One with like the gas mask yeah. and the type of helmets and like all the cloaks and the gear and the trenches. It just it just spells World War in this. Right. Again, the color palette for me it was still very much weird. I don't like how it looked so dark, like in this sense. But again, I, I it's it's a character, so I have to respect what they're trying to show. With how like this is a very gross planet, it's war. That's why it looks this way. Yeah, it's pretty cool because they're on this planet called Minban. If you go back, I watched that, an episode recently with my girlfriend, um, the Rookies episode. I think it's season one, episode yep. five of Clone Wars, and they literally have a um, the clones in this base are listening to like a radio station, 
And like the person in DJ is like, and this one goes out to the 212th jump troopers over on Minban or something like that. I was like, yeah, that's where they got this. And apparently uh, Minban yeah. used to, Minban was a planet in the first expanded universe book. Yep. Mind of the, a yep, of the mind's back. eye. Yep. Oh, exactly was. That's, which is great. Like, I love that they pull from the EU. They pull from current canon. They pull from everything. All right. <laughs> it's just, I, I just love the attitude. I really, really like um, Alden Aaron Regis Han Solo. I feel like he has moments where you feel like he's a young a young Harrison Ford, but then there's also moments where he's doing his own thing and it works just as well. Mm. Like here, he's like using the finger, like pointing at the guy and it's like, yeah, it's just something Harrison would do. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he looks like a young Harrison Ford in the sense of his mannerisms as Han Solo without, without question. They, they, they cast it. I thought perfectly. Now I know there was another actor that they were looking at. Was it, uh, I forget his name. Do you guys remember who it was? Yeah, I know um, who you're talking about, but I forget the name. I yeah, forget I the name too because he he was, I think he was in like the Age of Adeline, and that was a Harrison yeah. Ford movie as well. Um, but no, I felt this was a better fit. The, the issue with that is though, after what they've done in Mando and Book of Boba for Luke, mm -hmm. they won't be able to use Alden anymore, in my opinion, because they'll say, "Why don't you just do a young Harrison CGI?" True. I mean, that's true. I but think. then I think, I think, right, with the continent, they want to keep the continuity. I mean, you keep the yeah. same actor, but I can see them going back and say, we got the tech. But then they want to say, which is more expensive, paying a human being or doing the CGI? Well, so, no, I'm saying, like, if you go post, if you go post Return of the Jedi, like in The Mandalorian or in Book of Boba, like, oh, oh, I, yeah, feel like yeah, sure. I, I feel like they're 100% using CGI in those situations. Without, yeah, you're right, without question. But, I, if, you, but if you go back to, but if you go back to Solo 2, for example, or this, this era, basically anywhere before A New Hope, yeah. I think it'll be Alden. Yeah. Yeah. So, so was Chewie eating people or he just killing them? <laughs> Cause I thought, I, I thought I always him. see. I always thought he was eating too. Yeah. I mean, if you're in prison or in jail like him, and you have nothing else to do to survive, I guess you're gonna have to eat something. That, that's what I was thinking going. too. I'm like, he's gotta be eating these people because that's crazy. It's not like he wants to. It's just because it's the only thing he can do. Right. That that Wookiee suit has to be so gross when it's like muddy and nasty like that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Eunice Swantanamo is is the actor for Chewbacca and the sequels and all and Solo, and he does such a great job. Like, just so much acting with his emotions mm. and his uh, mannerisms and all that. Like you were saying about about Harrison and Elden. And I love this moment because you actually get to hear a human speaking in Sherry Wook. Like, you never actually heard that in anything before. I just found right. it so funny how he's speaking it. Yeah, you know, just, yeah, the human tongue is not meant to speak that language. I, yeah, well, I, I love that. It was really good that they, they put it in just because, like, us when we, like, impersonate Chewbacca, like, trying to, like, speak their language or whatever. See, Chewie Chew, should have killed him already. True. Oh, yeah. Scott Eastwood and Dave Franco were both considered for the role of Han. We have 
Aaron Daly chiming in in the chat. Interesting. Um, you know, another thing too with uh, Jonas, a lot of the, um, a lot of his work also, I mean, obviously he studied Peter Mayhew, right. but he consulted with him, you know, a ton and like he helped him out and, and, uh, you know, so that was really cool before Peter Mayhew passed. And fun thing, if you're a sports fan, if you didn't know this either, Milton, Jonas was actually a, uh, a center for Penn State for a year at, for basketball. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Cool. Yep. I mean, he, I mean he you, you're a seven-footer. Yeah, he, he better be playing basketball if you're a seven-footer. Yep. Like. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, I am very surprised how there's a lot of I'm not wouldn't say surprised, but there is a lot of humor in this film. Oh yeah. But then but then that makes sense for these characters. It makes so much sense. They always brought the comic relief when it came to Star Wars. It's <laughs> just like yeah. just like that. Like one guy running one way, the other guy running one way, and they both have a chain, the guy goes flying. Like that's just so so slapstick, but it works. Alright. Do they they do make Chewbacca a badass in this first like five minutes they introduce him? Because we're 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 so used to seeing Chewie as like that lovable teddy bear dog, like when you first meet him. Well, to me, this this sequence with Chewie, and then the um, and then Chewie and the Force Awakens are probably the most badass we've seen him overall, like as a character. I think, mm-hmm. like when he was um, in action. And there goes John Favreau. Oh wow! Oh, Wait, you didn't realize that's his voice. No, I see. No, again, I, 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 I forgot about this. So he's the voice of that character. Yeah. Right, so Gosh, gonna, I just watched to... this the other day and didn't realize yeah, it. You're, you're gonna have to like introduce. <laughs> so, what's these characters' names? But I know Beckett is uh, we Woody Harrelson. Beckett, we have Val. We have Rio Durant. That's that's okay. John Favreau's guy. Oh, okay. He says what the species name is. I keep thinking it's Anzellan, but that's uh, Babu Frick's character. It's something, something with an A. He'll say it later on. It's like the first right. kind of species in the in the movie they've had with that. There's a lot of great character design actually um, in this this movie overall. A lot of cool um, vehicle designs. Like that's a brand new vehicle in AT hauler. And I love seeing this. Like that that establishing shot of just like that whole just battlefield. It's just terrible. Well, that's weird. I always thought that was such a weird scene. Yeah, that's goofy. Yeah. But hey, man, that's, that's how they form that bond. Got they got a bond in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's definitely a scene I want to picture going into this movie. Either. Oh no. <laughs> like. Let's... Like that is that would have never even been on a guessing list for me, actually. But hey, I mean it's Star Wars, so. Mm. See, I do I do like this scene. Now that I think now as I remember this movie, like I think this helps like understand their relationship as the movie goes on and as we see them in future films. Yeah. 
Because for the longest time, people were like, oh, yeah, he has a life death for Chewie, but not really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just kind of buddies. They're just working together. That's all. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely a really good um good backstory for him. And I like that, again, you know, blending kind of the old legends and the current canon, like, you know, blending the backstories like they did for this movie, um, you know, because it, it roughly, you know, it fits both. So I think it it works really well for for um, that purpose. All right. Yeah, it's really neat that they canonize Han being an actual Imperial. Because we didn't really have that answer yep. in the original trilogy straight up. But they did a great job. It's like, yeah, he's in over his head. Oh, he has a chance to leave. Just, uh, okay, I'm going to leave. And, I ain't going to uh, lie. I do, I do want that coat that Han's wearing. It is a pretty cool coat. Yeah, this is where the, the, the movie really gets its Western roots. Uh, I think it really just does well with this whole frontier kind of vibe. Right. I love the cinematography for it, too, in this um, that sequence. Oh, yeah. They, they, these are beautiful shots, without question. Like, just the mountain ranges. Again, with this dark color palette. Oh, this, again, this is my only complaint about this movie thus far is just how dark it is. I know this is nighttime, but... Yeah. Can't, they can't light this a little bit better. Well, look in comparison, like talking about lighting, Milton. You know, recently I watched Batman versus Superman, oh, yeah. and uh, I mean uh, Justice League, Justice League, Justice League. Sorry, excuse me, but like they, you know, uh, you can tell on the Snyder cut they lightened that up compared to the Wheaton cut. Like the oh, color yeah. palette's way lighter. Like so the, different, uh, the yeah. color, the color palette, color palette, one hundred percent affects the viewing experience, and. You know, like you said, you know, there were different parts of the movie, like, throughout this movie where I was like, man, it's kind of dark. Well, that's the thing, though, too, because you're in a theater where everything, the lights are dimmed down. Like, I'm in my living room right now with my dining room lights here reflecting it, and I, I can still see everything. But imagine being in a theater. It's like everything just, you can't really see anything. you got to really, like, look. Well, but, it looks like it blends, like, blends into, yes. like, the walls around you. and That's you know, what I'm saying. It's like, all right, but... I mean, like I said, it, it still looks good, though. I mean, I, and I get what they're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give everybody a quick update on where we are in the movie. If you're tuning in live on YouTube, we okay. are currently at the 28-minute mark. Uh, they're around the campfire in Solo Star Wars storage, kind of discussing things, and that's where Han gets his blaster. So right around there if you want to keep tabs on uh, the conversation going live. Yeah. Campfires in Star Wars is always a good thing. I was kind of shocked that the blaster was like actually a rifle because he like had to take a stock off it or something like that. It's like, okay, oh wow, that was a bigger gun. Okay. But you see like this like little little hint of a romance here with with Fal and Beckett. Like even this this outlaw has they they have, you know, hearts themselves, I guess. No. Yep. Now now Beckett, he's an actual he's a legends character that they took from, correct? I think there is somebody like him, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um he was in I'm trying to think. It was I'm pretty sure it was in one of like the trilogy. It, it it was like it was I think he was like a really my kind of like a Cobb Vance side really side character in one of the Han um the Han Solo okay. um books back then. Right. I think. 
Yeah, Chris, so here they're pulling off the, I guess, the putting the gun together now, or the pistol. Yeah, he took off the barrel and then took off the stock. So it used to be basically like a rifle for the most part. And he just kisses it and gives it to him. Like, oh, this is the only weapon I have, but uh, you'll take it now. Have fun with the DL-44. All right. Well, that explains why it's so, like, such a good blaster. Yeah, exactly. It's got a lot of power. Also, also, gosh, it puts into perspective even more of how powerful Vader is for just, like, blocking the shot with his hand. Mm-hmm. Where with the force, like, when he shoots at him. And we have recently seen a train sequence in the Book of Boba Fett, and it's really kind of mimics or, or rhymes a lot with that scene. Right. Oh, yeah, but that scene's so much faster than this one. Like, like, like the speed, like the way, the, the way they show speed, and like yeah. this one, it's a little bit more slowed down. Hey, they're following the speed limit, Milton. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I guess it's because it's on a track. The other one on Tatooine right. is just like flying by yeah. on its own. Right, right, right. It would make sense. And, and I'm, I'm sure have, if we... Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. They also have coaxium, which is like very highly unstable. So maybe they're afraid if they go too oh, fast, they fall or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that, that's my okay. That's my second criticism. Not of this movie, but of Star Wars, like over this six or seven, eight month period where like. Both films had to do with gasoline. Like, <laughs> when, when, yeah, when, when was Star Wars worrying about gasoline? Like, I mean, let's be real here, guys. If you're watching this, the gas prices are crazy in our country now. But, um, but yeah, gasoline became a thing in Star Wars. <laughs> that is that is such a minor thing, actually, to point out because, or uh, <laughs> not not in your perspective, not from. Not, right. I'm not criticizing you, both, but it is an interesting thing now that you point that out that. You know, gasoline. Actually, yeah. Now, now I'm looking at this differently too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, because I was like, because I remember seeing this. I'm like, well, the last Jedi, they were talking about burning hyperfuel, blah blah blah, running out of fuel, crap. I'm like, okay. And then next movie is coaxium. That's what it's called, coaxium. Mm-hmm. Coaxium. Yeah. Like, I'm like, why are we talking about gas for two straight movies? It's weird. But you know what though? It is what it is. I mean, we always knew there was some type of power source or gasoline in Star Wars is the fact that they made it a thing. Like an actual yeah, I guess plot just, point. I guess it's just one of those things. Is it an over explanation? Like, is it needed? Probably not, but at least they're making some action sequences around it. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing though, too. Like I, I'm just nitpicky on that, but I'm just saying I was just, it was a very like weird observation. I'm like, Oh, okay. I didn't know gas was a big thing. Like, but, Obviously, it is important in, in every culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those trooper designs, by the way. The, the range troopers, they got those cool magnet boots and cool coats. It's like, mm-hmm. just shows you like how much money the Empire has. Like They have a type of trooper for literally any type of environment. Right. Also, Lucasfilm going, let's make some merchandising. Oh, yeah, because you know, you see news everywhere <laughs> on the on the. I remember for months later, they would still be on the pegs. They had so many well, of those darn well, guys. Well, that's the thing with the, the thing is I, I like crack jokes about their mark merchandising, like making all these different versions of the troopers and stuff. But the thing is they're cool. And I, I'm one of those people that have collected all these different items for the most part, you know, the random troopers that have like one second of screen time or something. All right, yeah. All right. Now, now Emphis Ness, I'm not familiar with this character at all. I like legends character initially. 
I don't believe so. Mm, no. She's, no, no is totally, she, she a new Totally new character. Okay. Totally new. All right. That's cool, though. Just the use of the speeder gang. Mm-hmm. Now, did yeah. they dive into Infus Nest anymore in canon, Chris, after this movie? I think they did, no. didn't they? No, we haven't didn't they? Oh, okay. about it. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Interesting. The last we've seen is if you get the novelization of Solo Star Wars, where it's like an epilogue chapter where um, oh, okay. Emphis Nest delivers, she delivers the um, Quaxium or whatever to Saul Guerrero. And Saul Guerrero has like a young mm -hmm. Jyn Erso with him when she does that. Interesting. So that was that was a really cool scene. It's like, oh, it's like, huh, right. I wonder I if maybe... we'll ever see Emphis Nest in Andor. That's what I was just about to say. Maybe she'll pop up in Andor. That's a very likely, especially if we have Saul Guerrera. That's already pretty much confirmed to be in that show. It seems likely that any kind of Rebel-connected character is going to show up. When I mean Rebel, I don't mean the animated series. I mean, like, people that have been in Rebellion, like Bail Organa and Mon Mothma and all that. Right. I mean, Saul Guerrera's been in Rogue One, so, I mean, he's in live action already, so... Yep. I, I think for sure he, he fits the, the Andor series perfectly. Even though he's like my least favorite live action character. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th I think I think I think there's a good chance he'll be in it. Um, so you, you don't like you don't like Saw Guerrero? No, I just that is definitely going to be brought up in our Rogue One commentary. <laughs> but man, I, I, I think I think his translation. Like, don't get me wrong. I love cartoony over-the-top stuff but man Saw Gerrera just feels so over-the-top in Rogue One and then like the whole interrogation scene with that slug alien thing it about oh, the, makes the, me want to just gullet. oh I love, I, oh, love yeah. that I don't, I don't know why I like that scene so much I, I, I just cool. can't stand that scene <laughs> yeah that's too funny this action sequence is so kinetic I love how fast and furious Emphis Nest is like just like dodging and ducking over the blaster bolts and that awesome sonic like charged weapon is something really unique. All right. And I I do wish her character was used even more through this movie. Yeah, it's nice to see that we we have this major scene with her, then we see like her yep. talking to somebody else at one point, then we don't see her till the very end. So yeah, I mean, but I think her presence is felt throughout the movie at least the very very Oh, definitely. Definitely. I just think they did a really good job with her uh, character, kind of putting some mystery behind it as to why and like who and what's so, like, you know, just as an audience, yeah. us thinking like, who is this? You know, what's their purpose, etc. Right. And there goes the first member dead. I like the use of these Viper droids. Because we haven't really seen them they ever get so much action in the live-action movie. We've seen them in Empire Strikes Back kind of just standing there. But uh, it's pretty cool to see somebody's actually struggling to fight them. Wait, we see them in Empire? I don't remember that. Go well, a version of them, right? Like the pro okay. droid. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah a slightly cool design with like, um, I guess, more blaster range right. or something. Now she, she spoilers. She gets killed too, right? Or she kills herself? Yeah, yeah. I think I, and I a lot of people, a lot of people had issues with this because she was barely in the movie, and she's actually a pretty big actress uh, herself. Oh yeah, this is uh, what's yeah, her name? I, I her from name. Westworld. Um, yeah, I, I forget her see, name. I, I forget her name. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was man. definitely one. Oh, you're, you're totally fine, Milton. I was definitely one of those people that I think her death was too early for sure. Um, again, it may, it's just how the movie played out or whatever, but I feel like she could have maybe been killed down the line, um, potentially versus how she ends up dying just because it, it just was so quick. Like, you know, like they, you know, we kind of had that little romantic, the looking at each other between Beckett and her. And then like, you know, we're just getting to this sequence, these sequences where it's like, you know, I, I don't know us as an audience. Is it that valuable of a like, Whoa, like, like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Right. Right. Well, I mean, and like I said, it, it, we're, I mean, yeah, I know Chewie and uh, 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 Solo, or I guess the, the guys, they're, they're the leads, but you got to still give us stakes and characters to want to believe in or, or somewhat like yeah. uh, connect to so we can, can be a part of the story. Okay, so fun, fun thing to add in during this whole sequence, guys. So I've told the story before on the podcast, so I'll make it kind of quick. I, so during this entire sequence for our viewers, at our theater, mind you, like I said, our theater we go to, it's like a pretty much mom and pop theater at this point. Mm -hmm. During this sequence, all of a sudden, the screen was going like, like, it looked like it was like shocking or something, like oh flickering gosh. in and out. And then it cut clear to the very end of the movie of right when Han shoots Beckett at the very end. <laughs> and, oh my god! And we were like, holy smokes and the best part about it is our theater didn't realize that happened <laughs> so someone had to run out and say hey hold up stop the movie we're only like 35 minutes in and it cut <laughs> to the end of the movie right and and then the craziest part is so they they fix it rewind it get it to this spot again and then it cuts forward again to like one of the parts with lando and they had to run out again and go hey, what's going on? So they like gave the whole theater popcorn and free drinks and free movies and stuff for the next time, but it was like, holy crap, people. Oh so gosh. yeah, I'll never forget seeing this movie in theaters opening. That was opening night too, mind you. Oh, right. Yeah. I love how they make Han Solo such a coward in this movie early on though. Such a coward and such like a, he's very like for himself. Man, I, like I can't. I, I go on, Chris. I, I like he said. You have any idea what it's like to have a price on your head? And it's like that's all Han ever talks about in the original trilogy. I have a yeah. price on my head to pay Jabba. That's like all he's ever caring about. So it's like, yo, right. he he gets that clearly later on in life. Yeah, I I can't lie though, guys. Seeing this scene with with the uh, the way the wind was like blowing in Han's hair and all that stuff, like it really. I can't unsee the video that Shamuk made, the guy who did Luke's face for Mando, like of Harrison on his, his face in this scene. Like, this is the scene, if anybody looks at the video, that, like, he nailed Harrison's face perfectly. Mm. Hmm. But I, I do like, you know, um, with this whole sequence, I, I'm really happy that it's like more outside and more light. Like it's definitely a nice change of pace from this dark, 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 dark. Cause we're what 35 ish, 40 minutes in and it's, right. you know, finally we're outside. It feels like, mm -hmm. yeah, no. And like you said, and it's, it's, a, it's another character within the story. So, Oh yeah. 
Yeah, oh, the so. color palette for sure is a, is a character in every movie, actually. Yep, yep. Now, this is where I feel and even felt the time where the movie kind of dragged slightly. Um, like, I mean, I know they're about to was it meet Dryden Voss, and he he meets Kira again right here, mm-hmm. or is he meet her? Is he meet her later? I don't remember. But uh, um, yeah, he meets her here. Yeah, so the movie for me kind of drags at this point, but I know they're trying to set up like that, re- rekindle that relationship. Yeah, so I find it interesting that like so much of this movie is on this one place called Fort Ellipso or something like that, Calypso or something. It's like you go from the ship, you walk outside, oh, there's the, there's the bar. It's like everything is like right next to each other. Oh, there's the train that we just took down over there. It's like, why does everything have to be on the same planet? <laughs> right. Or even in the same exact, like, geographical location on the planet. Yeah, it's like that, like they're on speeders. They're just walking from place to place. That's actually, a, I, like I said, I just watched this Monday, and I didn't even realize that until you pointed that out, Chris. But that's a really <laughs> interesting, now I can't unsee that. That's, I think that's just right. the restraints, the constraints on the whole thing with the director. Like, they didn't have yeah. a lot of money to spend at this point because they already spent so much and they had to cut so much out. So, they're like, uh, let's just shoot everything either indoors or, like, we'll have to really use this location for, like, two scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's definitely why. That's just, that's just real-world answers, not in-universe. Yeah, this is, a, this is a cool scene introducing Dryden mm-hmm. Voss because it's, like, killing... Imperials, like just what right. the heck? Like that shows you like the power of the underworld. It's like they are dealing with every person imaginable, even the ones you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, Paul Bettany wasn't supposed to be even be in this film originally. Wasn't it supposed to be someone else it to was, play the lead? Um, it was uh, the guy that played uh, in. Gosh, I'm brain farting on this one. In that HBO series, The Wire. Oh my God! Well, well, which Michael, character do you remember? Michael something. Oh, Michael Shannon. No, yep. but he actually passed away What's recently. This kid. Oh, Michael C. Williams. That's it. Yeah, Black he passed guy. away yeah. recently. Okay. Yeah. So All right. he he was supposed to play a CGI character. That's um, right. That was like a cat feline character that are prominent on Corellia. So they completely cut out this character. They just put in like a humanoid esque character with uh, Paul Bettany. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah, he would have been in it, but like when they did all the reshoots with the directors, like he was already, Michael was already working on something else at that point. Dude, she's a hottie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very, very true. Yeah, so it's it, it's interesting that uh, they meet up this way of all places, you know. <laughs> all right. Now, did they explain how she became Crimson Dawn? Yeah, there's uh, there's a comic book uh, adaptation that kind of shows you, like, very very quickly. It's like a matter of a page, a couple of panels, like her progression. Some of the Crimson Dawn comics, uh, the, the War of the Bounty Hunter stuff, has been showing us that. Um, and the Crimson Rain comics as well. So it's like a lot of piecemeal. Like you have to like kind of read between the lines a lot for like right. how it happened.
but but funny. It's like a lot of uh, <laughs> bring it back to last week, Ben. A lot of Galactic Star Crews are like the the interiors were designed after this place. Like they wanted the the dinner room to be more like high class and and have more yeah. like less of that imperial design and more of like elaborate like kind well, of thing. See, I think you know that's like just like an issue with it. Like like this. See, that's even funnier. Like the a movie, even though we all love Solo, a movie that flopped basically financially. You you kind of inspire some things inside your new hotel off of like I don't know it's just it's funny to think about um, but I don't know yeah right. that that whole Galactic Star Cruiser that was just a mess. Best part about yeah. it was tagging Mil t tagging you and all those posts afterwards, Milton. Oh, about the uh, the dancing. The oh yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm done with that trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, again, this is where the movie slows down for me. I think this kind of like threw the pacing off, but then it does pick up soon, from my understanding. But I think well, it goes. Well, this... uh, yeah, it shows you how good the pacing was up until this point, right? Like it just kept yeah. moving, kept moving, and from action sequence to action sequence. Then, then eventually we have to slow down. It can't be that pace the whole movie, I guess. Right, right. I mean, but even with the quiet moments we, that we did have, where they're at the campfire and. When the Imperials were talking, when he was talking to the general, whatever, like th those are quiet, slowed moments, but it still moved. This, I feel like, it's just a uh, weird. I don't know, it's just drug. But I mean, again, they're, they're setting it up for for future parts of the movie. Yeah, it's so funny. Oh. This is the first time I watched this movie since watching Wandavision. So now seeing so much of Paul Bettany as Vision and that, like in his human yeah. form, it's just like he's almost playing Vision. Like he didn't change his accent or anything. Oh yeah, no. Well, see, that's the thing with this uh, this whole sequence, Milton, as well. You know, you bring up pacing. You know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to these movies or any movie, really, you know, the movies where we're like kind of quiet and like just looking at the scene, it's because they're interesting. And then, like, you can always tell with a movie if it's a scene that's kind of uninteresting because that's when you whip your phone out and you start checking out Twitter. You know. Whatever, like that's exactly what happened on Monday when I was watching this movie during this sequence was the first time I mainly took out my phone and was looking at it. Oh. So now I'm interested because at this point I'm looking at the background because we got a nice little collection of like objects from around the galaxy. You actually seen like a Mandalorian full set of armor in the background and everything else. Yep. I think there's like a Sith holocron in here somewhere. There's a couple axes from like different times. Right. They have they have references to one of the old Han Solo book like items that he was going after, or the Lando. It might have been the Lando, one of the Lando books. Like there's an item he was after that's like in the background here. Oh, there's a crystal skull that just popped up. Yeah, right behind Beckett there. Oh yeah, right there. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yep. Now I'm just staring at the background even more. Mm hmm This is what I mean. There's so much hidden in there. Well, and like like with me watching it on a tablet more, it's more condensed, so I'm like able to look at it a little better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I'm Mercy back and I'm about to wreck old boy. Talking out of line. What's he doing?
Man, Milton, now that you pointed this out, we are really in this scene for a long time. That's what I'm saying. Like, this this part, again, this that they're setting it up, and they're trying to tell us what they need to do, but they, they could have cut this. At least the dialogue could have made it so much tighter. I don't know. I just thought it was just maybe just too long. I think part of it is they're all stationary. They're all just sitting. There's not yeah. a lot of movement going on. Oh, it 100% helps that they're moving around. Like, look at, um, you know, and Mando in the first episode ever. Like, you know, when he walks into the thing to meet, you know, like there's people moving around the, the bounty guild and all that stuff. Like, it makes yeah. the scene flow a little better. Right. Now, now this is something I want to bring up because I haven't watched this since the Book of Boba Fett. So they mentioned just now that they are, you know, they're in this meeting room aboard that, that ship of, of Dryden Balsas. They're talking about their plan about the Pikes and about how they actually don't have an alliance with the Pikes. So I'm just like, hmm, we've seen the Pikes in Book of Boba. And I was one of the people screaming on Twitter, we're going to see Kira, we're going to see Crimson Dawn. They never show up. I still think there's a possibility somewhere that these guys were connected at some point post-Return of the Jedi. Um, but yeah, this is this is a lot of connections also to Book of Boba Fett because we've seen so much of the Pikes. Huge, huge factor of that show. Oh, yeah, I think it'll definitely play in down the road. It's just, uh, I feel like it's a matter of uh, when, not if, that's going to come into play. Yeah. It all depends on how Charles Soule's run of the Hidden Empire ends. If if we get to that last page and Vader just kills Kira, well, we're not <laughs> seeing that happen ever. Because <laughs> I don't know how you cast Vader and Emperor and get away with it alive. I mean, I don't know how that could happen. Because she's literally trying to assassinate him in, in those stories. He's trying to put out hits on Vader and the Emperor once I'm dead. Yeah, she might end up getting a Rogue One ending at this rate then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. See, now, I, like I said, I, the, the console character makes sense in how he's just being obnoxiously, you know, yeah. over the top. That, that makes sense. Like I said, this scene is just like, all right, man, slow. <laughs> now, now, don't we get a name drop of a certain bounty hunter coming up soon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah the best smuggler in the galaxy just happens to be a half a mile walk away. You know, this is the, where the movie is like, huh? <laughs> but there's a lot of cool characters. I actually have a a Funko Pop I'm looking at above my my monitor here of, of those two droids that are fighting in like a battle bots arena. I, I love that. Right. <laughs> and then L three later on like it's like no we can't have this. Like she evangelizes the the thing. It's so funny. Now, how did you guys feel about Donald Glover being uh, Lando uh, Calrissian? I thought he was freaking great. I thought he was awesome. Oh yeah, I think I think he nailed it. I really hope, you know, oh, that's another series. We haven't heard anything about nope. the Lando series. Like not I just since it was announced. Yeah, I really hope. I hope they're not just letting it fade away into the distance, um, like other projects. Hopefully, the Lando series happens because if it does, man, I I really hope so much. I know it's me head cannoning it. Man, I want Billy D. Williams to like narrate it and flash back to Donald Glover. Like, I just think it would be so great. 
Not even narrating. How about have like two storylines? You know, kind of like Book of Boba. Yeah, well, like an Arrow or like yeah, Book of Boba in the future, and then going back into the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but health wise, it's Billy D up to it. That's the thing. I mean, when conventions were still going around, he was going all over the place, and he was training with his trainer for the for Rise of Skywalker like every day. He'd no, no, oh, I tr- and... trust me, I I get it. But notice when that Rise of Skywalker, he's never walking. He's just always sitting down. Yeah. Well, the true. good thing is the good thing is they left the door open. If they do uh, involve him in his in the Lando series, his potential storyline is really simple. Like you know, him and Jana potentially teaming up to like find her family or whatever. Like maybe they just do that a real simple, not complicated story that he could get involved in a little bit of action and then do that as the main and then have the or have that as like the B. And then the A plot storyline just be Donald Glover, um, you know, in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I'm excited. I just really hope it's not. I like I love the animated series, but man, I hope it's live action. So, so how do you play Sabak? Is it like poker? Um, I don't know. Actually, I think they I, they sell a Sabak game. You can buy like twenty dollar little box set. They've explained it many times in the books, and I just, since I've never really played it, I just don't retain it. It's similar, I think. All I know uh, is, like, there's something called an Idiot's Array, which actually they even mention in here. I do think Donald Glover is the best uh, actor in this movie. Or best performance, I would say. I might have to agree with you on that. He was... Something else. Yeah. Especially when you get into like his relationship with the uh the droid uh L three. Like I think that's I think that's where it really gets into it. Uh or it really hits home for me with Donald Glover like doing really well later on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this scene. At least you know, it definitely picks it up because you don't know what's happening here. It's just like, huh. right? The stakes are high. You know what's gonna happen? Now Han thinks he's gonna win. I mean, he. I mean, he should have won, right? Yeah, I think he got cheated, didn't, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's talking about, like, when he mentions a ship, he's talking, like, Han bluffs to says he has a, um, the same ship that called the Ghost type of thing mm-hmm. from, uh, Rebels. Right. <laughs> he says the designation is the same thing as the Ghost, basically. <laughs> like that little furry guy with the ears is funny. <laughs> I don't know what that alien species is called. It's one of the ones I do not recognize. So how did he know, how did he cheat? I can't remember. He had was a it card like on your sleeve? He had a card, that's an right. extra card. Yeah. Yes. Cheating, Sondam. Yeah, that's crazy. So you have these Funko Pops of the battle droids? Of those those two droids fighting in the pit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right. 
because at that time I was like really into like collecting stuff. So I was like, "Ooh, the first Funko Pops are these things. I'm gonna buy them," you know. Yeah, the VCX. That's what it was called. <laughs> I just love the charm he puts on, just like Billy D. Williams. Yeah. Oh yeah, he nails it. Like the whole thing with like kissing her hand, just like he did with Leia, and then Fire Strikes Back. Well, I think okay. So not to like uh, throw shade or like do too many comparisons. I feel like he does a better Lando than Alden does a better Han. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I can think. agree with that. Yeah, but then again, I, I, I think that's then, a fair assessment. But I mean, then again, I. I I, I, then again, I think Donald Glover, though, is on a higher, like, entertainment talent level, though, than Alden is as well. So that definitely plays into it. Or Singh. That's, that's who he killed. I forgot. Yeah. He pushed some. He pushed her over or something like that. Yeah. The best part... Actually, you know, that was one of the best parts of the, the movie... That I was really surprised to see, you know, when, you know, given I was there opening night, so a lot of people going opening night are like pretty good Star Wars fans. And and uh, I was pretty surprised to see when they mentioned Orsin getting killed, like there was a lot of whispers in our theater, like, whoa, 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 she got killed. You know, like, right. like I was I was fairly surprised. I was like, good job. Good job, Star Wars fans, knowing your characters. <laughs> who's, who's the voice for the L3 droid? Yeah, from from Fleabag on Amazon, I think. Okay. I like yeah, look this this now is that practical or is that a like CGI thing? Like uh, it? It's basically all CGI. Yeah, she wears like a different kind of suit that has like the droid head on top, but they do CGI everything else for the most part. Right. That's Ron Howard's brother, apparently, with the long hair, with the droid guy. Yep. Um, is it Scott? No. Can't think of the name. <laughs> hey, we also have Chris Forsyth in the chat. Welcome to our stream. Everybody watching, um, we're watching Solo Star Wars Story. If you want to tune in on Disney+, Plus, we are at the one-hour mark. Pretty much just at the one-hour mark. They just left the... Sabat game. Mm. There, there's a lot of walking and talking in this movie. I will say that. <laughs> Man, no, saying, no, oh, they're no. only sitting down talking before. Gosh, Milton, you're 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 digging this movie for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm listening. I'm just really trying because again, I haven't seen it in a while. But then it's like I'm trying to actually like pay attention to where it's going, and it's like yep. they're doing a lot of monologuing, talking, and walking. I mean, again, you have to do that sometimes but man you know there's there's been no action honestly for the past what almost 20 minutes yeah. ever since that train scene like it's yeah because i i looked at the time as about 39 minutes yeah when we when we entered the building so it's like all right what are we doing at this point but now we'll say when we get to see a shot of the falcon i wasn't impressed when i first saw it. i'm thinking man what, why does that look so different then I forgot that the uh, the the escape pod is still on it. Yep. Uh huh. 
Yeah, but the Falcon, it was pretty cool, though, to see it again. Yeah, seeing it in a different light, not where it's, like, all junked up and right. blaster marks scorched on it. Well, that's another thing, too, throughout this movie. Um, you know, they answer a lot of questions that were kind of floating out there. Luckily, they answered them mostly all for the most part in a pretty good way. Like, I'm not a fan of the solo name, the way they did it. But overall, like, I think they they address certain things like the Falcon, the Kessel Run, etc. Like, pretty well, or Lando. Um, you know, I think they addressed these things pretty well for the most part. Yeah, I agree. That makes sense to me. I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I accept it. I love that line. <laughs> I try to quote that in real life sometimes. <laughs> so, so Infus Ness has been tracking him the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see she got it on the ship. Okay. See, up to this point, I was thinking she was kind of like a bounty hunter. Mm -hmm. Ah, it looks great. Good old Falcon. I like that we get to see different parts that we've never seen before the Falcon. Like mm -hmm. a closet. We've never seen that before. <laughs> oh, no, none. I mean, we, we got a lot of this ship we didn't get to know. I mean, honestly, the biggest part of the ship that we didn't know about was L3's brain or memory being synced yeah. into it you know and, and that makes so much sense when you hear uh han solo tells 3po he has to plug in to the falcon and talk to it yeah that's probably the biggest takeaway from this entire <clears throat> movie and they bring that back in some of the publishing stuff too um in one of the comics of the recent star wars comics that take place after mm -hmm. empire strikes back you have lando who's like taking over the Falcon now, the Hans and Carbonite, and there was a big moment in there where, where Lando was actually talking to L3. It was, it was pretty awesome. Like, See, she, wasn't, she wasn't, like, talking back to him, like, with dialogue. Right. But, like, he was, like, kind of understood, like, the beeps and stuff that was going on. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was pretty neat. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, that like, they are... That was his droid. I thought that was cool, a little hand gesture. <laughs> that shows you like how long they've been working together. Um, the cool thing about L three is she's a droid that's evolved her own self. Like she started off as like an astromech, and I guess decided, hey, I want to have legs or something, and just kind of uh, upgraded herself like a computer over time. <laughs> Hey, I mean, if you have too many of those droids like that in Star Wars, it'll become iRobot. Ah. Or be like uh, Skynet, uh, the Terminator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that Now, that's something that's been done a little bit too much. That darn um, hollow table. It's like in so many of the movies. It's like, okay, guys, right. we get it. It's a nostalgia moment. Let's, let's walk away from that for... Like several years. <laughs> yeah, because they did it. What and Force Awakens? Was it Force they did Awakens? It in Rise of Skywalker. That's right, because they were talking about yep. him cheating. 
Yeah, it's like, what are y'all doing, man? Like, quit going to the old tropes. I think that's. I think now when the next movie comes out, that like they they they're done with all that. I think that ended with with uh, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we say that as we go into a Kenobi series. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I just think that I think I think Star Wars lives off nostalgia. Personally. That's like its biggest draw, but also its biggest weakness right now as well. Well, well, well. That's the issue is because it goes off nostalgia, but if they don't execute on it, it gets destroyed. Like that's that's the problem they're dealing with. Like if they hit it out of the park, it's perfect. It hits like like Luke and Mando season two. That's everything we ever imagined Luke to be. But if they would have botched that, it would have got crushed. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, you're probably, you're not wrong. Let's be real here. But like the nostalgia part yeah. of it needs to happen. However, like we all can agree on, you got to be able to push Star Wars to something different too. Oh, oh, don't get me wrong. I, yeah, I've I mean, said yeah, we, we, we all agree. Yeah, we all agree on that. Yeah, if if I had a point, if I had if I had um, house money, I would say we need to jump 500 years past Episode Nine and totally start new. Mm-hmm. I think. Right. I mean, like, look, we'll get into it in the in the sequel reviews, but there they, there are a lot of things that they did good in it. A lot of things I felt weren't great. I think one of the things what it were the time jumps. There 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 should have been more time jumps. You know, like I, yeah, force, I'm force, saying it. Yeah, go oh ahead. yeah. Oh oh, one hundred percent. I think I think the biggest issue. I mean, we'll we'll get into it at a later date. But I think I think Grogu is eventually going to be the connecting thing long term. Like they may do a six hundred year time jump, and he be the connective tissue. I think that's where that's why they're implementing Grogu where they're doing it now. Right. But that's a discussion for another day. Now, did we miss the Han and Kira moment in the Falcon? Yeah. Yeah, they made up. Yeah, they got Okay, so, so fun fact for anybody that didn't know, George Lucas actually like consulted on that scene specifically. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So basically, the scene initially, Han was going to just like. Um, basically not not kiss her or not do it in such like a straightforward way and George Lucas was on set that day and he was like no 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 Han's like a smuggler and scoundrel like he'll just just basically grab the girl and be like hey let's let's kiss like yep. yeah so <laughs> like I just love love knowing that George had a small part to play in this yeah, movie so that, I believe that that was the only movie he's ever really been on set with I don't I don't think he was on the set for Rogue One and the only time after that was with uh, Mandalorian he's been on the set at least once or maybe twice I don't know at this point yeah Mando Mando he has um, here and there but other than that he wasn't on any of the sequel movies I'm pretty sure This this is neat, right? This is something we've heard so much about the the castle run. What is it exactly? And I think the story does a good job of explaining it. And it's not what anybody expected. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got a little nervous when we got into this, but they did they did pretty well with the castle run, I would say. 
All right, this is weird. This robot being in love with Lando. Okay, stop with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely was I definitely was weirded out by that two million because it's like, okay, for one, I didn't yeah. know robots were like that in Star Wars. I mean, I guess you have some like cybernetic people, but a human, I mean, I guess in Star Wars, I guess you can love aliens or whatever, but like an actual machine, like, I don't know, just... Kind of weird. I agree. Yeah. yeah, it was goofy. Because I know, like, people were saying stuff about, like, is, uh, <laughs> just, like, like, is, is, is Lando, like, pansexual yeah, or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, like, what the heck, dude? That's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> it, just, it just makes me think uh, not PG-13 things, like, how? Right. But... <laughs> Oh, I love this shot of the Falcon, just the dust. Now, this is the first time we've seen the Pikes in live action at this time, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I wonder if they still look like they're the same compared to what we saw in uh, Mando. Or not Mando, uh, Boba Fett. They're quite I different. Felt uh, yeah, I thought their design looked awfully different from what I remember. They just okay. have like, I mean, rectangles they, on their heads. Yeah, that that looks somewhat similar to what we've seen thus far. But still they are different. I mean I guess they could be a different type. Or you know what I mean, like a different mm. mm-hmm. not race different not race, but you know what I mean, like a different species of pike, maybe. Now they just like kind of name dropped the Trade Federation or no, in a weird way. She said Fed Federation of Trade Route. Yeah, that's not the same thing. Okay. Huh. No, yeah, again, this is one of those scenes where it's like, okay, I totally buy Kira as the leader of the Crimson Dawn with this scene. <laughs> right. Also, at this point in the whole... um. The whole series, or the whole movie so far, I still thought to myself, man, or like I still was in the back of my head, especially like that was like peak Game of Thrones time. I was like, man, this does this is not the nearest. Well, that's that's interesting. <laughs> she really knows how to sell it. Kicking him in the balls. <laughs> hey, it works. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it's just neat seeing the spice. We actually don't really see the spice, though, I don't think. It's just, this is where they, they mine it. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll eventually find out what it what it does per se. Like, eventually, maybe. Well, now, now that uh, you know Disney Plus has a parental thing, they're going to enable. Maybe they'll have have Star Wars use of the chase for spice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my. Now this is a cool. I did, this is a cool little one. I don't know if you guys picked this up, but when she she goes and she takes down this guy, it's like. 
How'd you do that? My master taught me Terrace Cowley. Oh, so that's something I never noticed because I have subtitles on for the first time. I thought she literally called him Tool, like like he's a tool for me. Like like that's right. not. Yeah, but they spell it T U U L. I always thought that was really weird how she called him a tool. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> I thought like maybe she mm -hmm. did like basically like a slave term. Like you're my tool. Like do that tool. Like that. That was okay. Yeah. This is why I like to watch these things with subtitles now. She really did rip his armors off, huh? <laughs> you know, that's another thing, too. Um, how far before this was Kira with the Crimson Dawn? Well, it would have been three years about, because this was like, there's they say three years later. Oh, um, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's true, that's true. I didn't think about that, yeah. Yeah, I feel like so Kira was she was hiding a lot though, right? Because I know at the end, spoiler, she meets with their actual real master, but yeah. I feel like she 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 wants to be still inside, right? Mm-hmm. Because she plays that she wants to be rescued throughout this whole like movie, for what I remember. Yeah, and the whole thing with the Droid Rebellion is something certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. I will say so. Yeah, the I don't droid... know how... Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the droid rebellion thing really works for me. I nope. just thought, thought it was weird. It's it's yeah, it's weird. It's like okay, so we have a droid rebellion and Lando having relations with the droid. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like to me, couldn't realistically like they just go and get more droids, like. <laughs> oh my I, I don't gosh! Know, it's, it's strange. Yeah, at least we get a bunch of new looking droids. Oh yeah, the the droid design is good. I just I just think the the whys and hows are a little. But it's neat because we get to see like that reference that pay that's paid back like forty five years later with like C three PO like oh but we'll be uh, sent to the spice mines of Kessel and all this like like Kessel yep. like this really bad place and we're literally seeing these people slave collars like working in these terrible conditions with like the spice everywhere and it's like yep. no protection it's like man this really was a terrible place to like, be sent yeah. as a prisoner yeah it was definitely a good callback. And it's a great moment for Chewie, too, because it's like, okay, like, up until this point, like, Chewie's just been there as, like, a companion, but we actually get to see, like, him have a little bit of a plot here where it's like, okay, he's either he chooses Han or he chooses his own people. Oh, yeah, this movie does really well for um, Chewie as a whole. Like, if I had to rank, like, obviously, like, Han's character is done well, but I think Lando and Chewie are done very well for this movie. This is where you see that brute strength of Chewie, man. Just slamming people up against the ceiling. Yep. Yeah, I think thus far, 
the movie is you, you're starting to see what the movie should be about. I think they 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 were taking way too long to get to this point, but okay. I, I like what they're trying to do. Well, you, you were at the, the last location for like twenty five minutes. Yeah, for that one location. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I tell you what, though, you, you got to give a lot of credit to Ron Howard, though. He's he's definitely trying his butt off here to 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 make this work because you can you can definitely see where where the holes are probably. Or at when it comes to how like, with all the chaos, the storytelling, and all that type, the reshoots, probably that type of stuff. But he's trying mm-hmm. here. Oh yeah, it's it's Still hard enough to make a movie on its own, but then to give up to get the pieces of a broken movie or or a fragmented movie and try to still use that and and make your own story in, in a matter of a certain time frame is right. Man, that's why you get paid the big bucks. Oh yeah, still makes me wonder. What was the Lord and Miller version? Like, I just, I, I, it'll never happen, but I would still love to see it just like as a, just something like, uh, you know, something 30 years, 20 years from now, like this is what was, you know, or something. And this could be the framing device of the Lando series, the, the Calrissian Chronicles. Like he could be looking back at himself with the same thing he's doing now with the hologram and be like, Hey, I remember that. And it, it could be like a spinoff, kind of series sort of thing where it's like every episode's like it's another like self-contained adventure right see i would like that a lot i think that i think that could work really well for lando's character especially because he's not you know like he's not like your main headline character who's having to go on these complicated long extended missions like din jarn would be or boba even you know it's he's more of a uh i feel like self-contained type character character Maybe he'll get a different robot companion, Milton. Say that again. I said maybe he'll do, maybe in the Lando series he'll have another robot companion. <laughs> maybe, uh, but hopefully he's not weird and like you know being weird about one of free droids. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. Um, I mean, maybe that's why he was so fond of Lobot since he was a droid, part droid. Well, what happened with Lobot was in the, the Charles Soule comic miniseries, and uh, he used to be a regular dude, and then the, okay. the Empire yeah. fried his mind. Like the fry, the Empire was them who like turned his mind to be like just a droid, basically. So, yeah, I didn't even know that. And, and basically, fun fact: like Lobot is still around in the time of of uh, post Empire before Return of the Jedi. He he's still very much a part of the Star Wars story. Whenever Lando's involved, Lobot's hanging around. So. All they right. went back and got him. That's great. Now and does uh, uh, Han Solo get uh, Han Solo? Um, does uh, Le- Lando eventually get Claw City back? Uh, no, not right now. Oh, actually, yeah, he does because in the aftermath books, I think it was one of the what or no, it, it was either. Yeah, I... it might have been Last Shot actually, the Last Shot novel or something. He actually she... goes back to Bespin, and it has. I think he has Lobot with him, and they take it over. I, I feel... See, I thought that was in the Aftermath trilogy, but I might could've. be wrong. All right, it could have been. I don't know. But I do remember reading that. That's cool. I like the style of Beckett, just like dual-wielding the blasters. Right. Like that one... 
frame right there where you see Han like aiming his blaster up underneath the Falcon is like picture perfect for him in A New Hope doing the same thing. Like that's so out of A New Hope. Oh yeah, 100%. Like I, like this whole sequence is, is done really good. I just, like you said, it, it does, like these type of sequences feel like the Han we know. Yeah, again, it's like, okay, caring a lot about a droid. Who would ever think? That's what I'm saying. It's like, I know the droid's important, but it's like, come on, man. You just move the story along without no, it. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I was like, I actually, like, that moment was kind of like a tender moment where it's like, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, See, I think. Oh, no. I, I, well, I like when they get inside the ship and they do it. Like, like when he, because they sit at the table and that's when they decide to, uh, Take the head, like they they put it in a, uh into the ship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that particular scene. I just thought like this, you like you got gunfire, dude. Come on, pick up the droid and go. <laughs> I don't know. I think I feel like we we've been so desensitized to droids in the Star Wars universe. I just don't care. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like it's just like we've gotten to a point with droids. Like if it's not R two or three PO, it's like okay. <laughs> I love how Kira just like goes berserk mode and just runs out with those thermal detonators. It's like, yeah. oh, she's just not all talk. Like she could actually fight. She's been trained by Maul at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe Maul. I don't know. For people watching, maybe could be someone else. There you go. I know, like I like said, this was this was cool. We're like, okay, now we know this is Han Solo. He's becoming quote unquote Han Solo. He's got the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's pretty is sad. cool. Um, in the Clone Wars, actually seeing like a different biome on Corellia where it's actually all lush forests and everything. Yeah. It's different. Like usually, Star Wars, all the planets are the same ecosystem. All right. It's like so I what? wonder. Go ahead, Ben. Oh, go on. I hope. I hope eventually you bring in a biomes. Like I hope we eventually get to see what Tatooine was like a thousand years ago or something. You know, when it was had water and all that that they referenced uh... to in Book Boba. Like I would. Love that. That would be I so I bet cool. they were laying the seeds because they said that thing more than once in Book of Boba Fett. I yep. bet you if they're ever going to have an Old Republic movie, I bet you purposely go there and it's going to blow everybody's minds. Like, why is there water here? All right. This so, is Tatooine. <laughs> at, at this point, they need to get off a of Kessel, but they need something. Why do they need to put her memory in to the ship or her database? To... Is it navigation purposes or something? Oh, yeah, it's, it it's, na it's navigation, I think. Right, Chris? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's right, because they got to go through the stuff. They have to go through the uh, the clouds. Yeah. Yeah, I love that callback. That's a dope John shot. Williams, the John Williams theme, Darth Vader. Yeah, no, I, I love this shot. It's so imposing. Seeing the Star Destroyer with all the lightning and the dark clouds, mm -hmm. like, that just seems evil. 
Well, they, they 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 make a star destroyer, you know, very threatening. Not saying they weren't before, but like you know, you see them, you see a multitude of them. Like, okay, they're just star destroyers, but now it's like, oh wait, they're in a closed, confined space. And it's great that John Williams actually helped create this theme for Han Solo. Like this, this is a nice, nice little rhythm here. We know he's going to be helping cool. working out on the Kenobi's theme too, so that'll be cool. All right. Yeah, I feel like I feel like with him, you know, he gets so involved when it's especially like these like big, like the big characters. You know, like I don't, I don't know unless they confirm it. I I don't see him being involved very much in the Andor series, um, just because it's not as big of a character as like Han or even even like Ray for the, the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the original characters are Kenobi even. Like, I think he's, I think he just likes to be involved with these iconic, iconic characters. Mm-hmm. I just love okay, the handling. I, I will, like, yeah, I'll say, th- th- no, this part is so dope. Like, I do like this part. Because I, I, I'd be scared out of my mind. I ain't gonna lie. If, if I was in a, I'd be backseat driving right now. Well, and the fact is, oh. this guy's not even a Force-sensitive character, and the, and the way he's able to handle a ship at that speed, with yeah. the, that many unpredictable elements that outside of that actual avenue, it's like, holy crap. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would be not looking out the window, that's for sure. <laughs> I'd be, like, Dude, I'd hiding pro- under something, like, get me out of here. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be peeing yep. myself, pooping myself, like, it'd be over for me. I love the dialogue. This is perfect for a new hope, right? Like that snappy dialogue back and forth. Just so fun. You know, this scene is really awesome. It's very well done. I mean, I, this is, this is the, 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 what people go to this movie for. Like they want to see the Falcon in all its glory in a nice ass chase to Kessel run. I mean, you were getting the Kessel run. It's like, all right, it better go up well, to expectations. See, here's the big thing with this. is I just think um, it comes back to my point. I bring it up every now and then. Star Wars fans are not that difficult to please. Like, this sequence, awesome. Like, you know, we don't need some complicated thing. Like, this is, like, the type of action and stuff we need, and it's, it's pleasing to watch. Like, I, I just think... You know, sometimes um, Star Wars and other companies, you know, they get so worried about, like, overthinking the story to, like, tell this big message or whatever. When it's just like, just tell us a fun, action-packed story with some snappy dialogue and stuff, and we'll, we'll be we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Damn, is where we start it. to see the ship falling apart. <laughs> well, yeah, it's typical Falcon. Uh, this is like the asteroid field theme for John Williams from Empire Strikes Back. I, I just about lost my mind when I started playing this music at this part. I was like, yeah. Oh, same, same. I, I hearing his hearing his music, um I don't know, it just like you said, it just brings back so many memories of Empire. See, like I like how solo like he he's a good yeah, this is fire. Hey, that's smart. <laughs> it just that's drives this thing like a race car. I love it. It's 
different kind I'm of. Just try, oh, I'm just trying. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just trying to picture Harrison Ford like right now, being in the same situation. Like I feel like this is what he would do. I mean, we saw him do this in Empire and how he was like in general. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, I love that camera angle of just like on the hull of the ship, just seeing it spinning. Great, great direction. All right. Oh yeah, they. Um, whoever the cinematographer was for this did a, a great job. Oh man. All right, so they're mm-hmm. uploading. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so they're... Oh, man. I like the element of time. I feel like that's one of the best things about this movie at this point, why the pace is so good. It's like, all right, we know that the, it's imminent. We know that the ship's going to survive, right. obviously, but it's still like a nice little little plot thread where it's like, all right, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Yep. What, that's, you know, that's an important thing. Um just in Star Wars in general, they need to take, you know, more hints from even this movie or inspiration from this movie. Like when you introduce the element of time, like the importance of it, like that adds so many, so many more just underlying stakes for the audience. Like if you're just watching this movie straight up, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to them potentially. I mean, heck, even like in Mando, like in, in Mando season two, when the dark troopers are coming to bust in, like, you know, there's time, like there's stakes, like any more minutes longer, you know, all the people, you know, Mando and everybody would have been dead. So, like, when you introduce time and stakes like that, that adds so much more to these movies and shows. Mm-hmm. Now, what is this creature? I think it's called a Suma Verminoff or something like that. It's it's a Suma Verminoff. It's like the biggest, like, living thing in Star Wars. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, there's so a, wait, I have a right. really cool book of creatures, and it's literally the biggest one on there. I, I forgot to get out. Of, oh, they they use the um, oh my god, they use some of that gasoline right to get out. Nope. Well, Galactium. yeah, kind of. Don't they? That's what I thought. Yeah, they I do. They but do. there's another thing they use. I, I can't remember. Yeah, it's again. This is great. Yeah, that's right. They get rid of the thing over there. Okay. I like th- this. Looks good. I mean, the the monster looks badass. Now that CGI is a little little touchy, but hmm. other than that, though, it's I mean, good. I mean, for the conditions, though, with them dealing That's with what I'm saying. the yeah, stuff it looks, around it looks the film. Great. Yeah. Oh my god! See, I, I think I think they for sure have done like in these parts, just basically here on out. For overall, the lighting in the movie is way better. Way, way better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wow. It's cool, yeah. right? Seeing, oh, seeing, dope. seeing new things in Star Wars. We've never seen a creature like that. We've never seen like any kind of black hole in Star Wars or whatever that could be called. The mall, they call it. It's just new things are always great, even if it's in an older time period that we've already seen, kind of. But yeah, it's, this is this is pretty freaking suspenseful here. Oh, definitely. This, I mean, this is everything. You know, it's picking up so much. 
So when he says he made the Kessel run, like, is that what he's about to do right here? Well, basically, he made the Kessel run by taking a shortcut. So, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah just did that, basically. Gotcha. Oh, my gosh, they're doing some tricky stuff here. That is... Uh... Uh, th now that's good CGI. I love how you see like the flesh, like just like melting from the creature's face. You can, like start to see its bones. I'm like, holy crap! That looks awesome. Oh yeah, it it definitely looks really good. Like, I uh, yeah, I mean they did they did a really good job with it. Oh my gosh! Losing time. There we go. Oh, I, I forgot it. See again. He, that's that's it. Yeah, I'd have been I'd have been pooping myself. I'm like, guys, we're dead. <laughs> Especially <laughs> because you get that false hope. Like, oh my gosh, it's out. Yeah, they're dead. It's like, now, how can it be like, dead? Was did they use like a spirit bomb just now or something or a kami kami wave from Dragon Ball Z to get out of that? <laughs> it's like space <laughs> nos. It's like, oh right, crap. yeah. Wow. Now is that hey. closing on him, right? Yeah, okay. See, yeah, this yep. part I was like, okay. Like this is this is fire. You know, this kind of reminds me of um the Mandalorian's Nabu Starfighter, how it has like yeah. that that's fast boost that almost looks like they're going so fast it's hyperspace, but it isn't. Right. Maybe he has like some kind of coaxium module thing in there. Might be. I just love the the cutting. There's some really good cuts in this movie from like scene to scene. <laughs> oh yeah, the editing. I think the editing, um, the way they cut it is pretty. Is um, they did a good job with it. I think compared to certain, you know, compared to um, earlier, like earlier in the movie, like we said, that 20 minute standstill we were at, like I was shaky on that. But like the rest of the editing for the movie as a whole, I think was done really well. All right. It's always great seeing a falcon like by sand. It's just like its natural environment, whether it's Jakku or Savarine or Maz Eisley. Yeah, I feel bad for Lando. <laughs> oh, this is when their their kind of brotherly feud starts, pretty much. Yeah, this makes sense. I I like it. Like I see a lot of their love hate relationship, for sure. That's why we need like another movie or a series just to get this more fleshed out. Yeah, yeah. That's a, you know hashtag make solo two happen. Yep. Shout right. out. <laughs> but I uh, think I think yeah. that's the that's the thing that the Lando series, if it is live action and does happen, I think the Lando series is going to be potentially the. You know, like, like we say with the um, Mandoverse, like a lot of that's the Thrawn trilogy kind of rough adapted. I think the Lando series might be the Solo 2 rough adapted, probably. Hmm. I think. Because that there's no sense. way to do a Lando series without having Han and Chewie and all them in, in there. Yeah, so I didn't know if it was supposed to be foreshadowing or not, but just like seeing that scene between Lando and Han, you see like the wreckage of the Falcon... 
I thought for sure by the time Rise of Skywalker was all over and done with that, the Falcon would be destroyed. I feel like that was going to be like the big thing. Like, okay, this is the end of, an, of a saga, and the Falcon's also yeah. destroyed. They're not getting rid of the Falcon. Oh, I, I, I 100%. I, I, I cracked so many jokes about that going into Rise. I was like, well, the perfect way for them to do things, load up the Falcon with all the main characters and have the Emperor blow it up. Like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, like, what, what's what's he want here? What what is Han Solo? He wants to be an outlaw and just have Kira go with him. Basically, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, because he always wanted to come back for her. Because he always like felt bad that he had to leave, you know. And he always mm-hmm. wanted to have his yep. own ship and to like get away. And now that he finally has that chance, like he's he's so like disappointed because now like she already has her own life. Three years later, she knows what she wants to do, and it's not with him. Yeah. It all comes down to like her personal goals are not aligned with his. Yeah, cuz she cuz she wants to stay in it though. That's the thing. Mhm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, at this point she may be like what potentially second in command in Crimson Dawn like I'm sure her power levels getting up there. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's her then it's uh what's his face? Try to boss and Maul. Yep. You know, power changes people. Very good point. This is why I can't wait for this Han and Chewie series coming out on Wednesday because I'm pretty sure they said like so like Kira's in going to be in that. So I'm like, hmm. I wonder oh, if nice. we'll we'll get a meetup between Han and Kira at some point post uh, this movie. No, I had no idea that Infus Nest was a female. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I, I thought it was gonna be some big person we knew about. Like, yeah. oh, it's Boba Fett, you know, or some not him, but it was some some character. Like, like an actor. Well, did, did they did they say what actor was? There was rumors of it. I mean, no. I don't know. No, she wasn't even at the movie premiere or anything. Okay. The actress, she couldn't like be involved with anything until after the movie was out. <laughs> it was so the shocking. funniest part. Oh, the, the funniest part about Infus Nest, though, you know, you guys saying you were thinking it was going to be a man. Can you not? Like, I honestly thought, like, I joked to myself. I was like, man, what if Infus Nest is like Darth Maul renamed? Oh, stop. Like, I, That'd, be not, I, That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. I swear. Yeah. If, if, I had a, if I had a stack of Bibles, I swear. Like, I literally thought when, when, I, when we first started seeing her in this movie, I thought, I was like, man, is Infus Nest like somehow Darth Maul some way or another. Like, that's literally exactly what I thought I'm um, seeing this movie. That's insane. Oh, man. Well, see, and here's the thing with me, though, guys. I thought that, actually, just because, you know, I got the Darth Maul thing actually spoiled for me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It was, it was in a random comment section. So I was, you know, going through the whole movie. I was looking for Darth Maul. I was like, is this Infus Nest? Good. I, I think it's Darth Maul. Like, it's uh, got to be. Like, we uh, haven't, you know, we haven't seen him. And I was like, and I was like, it has to be Maul. Like, who else is that going to be? And then when she took that one off, I was like, wait. 
I thought Maul's in this movie. Yeah. So, so, so her motivation. Help me understand this. She's, she's actually a. Uh, she's not working for the rebellion or nothing like that, right? Uh, she's kind of like she knows that the Crimson Dawn are around, and her she's trying to just do get this for good people. Like she knows that okay. the Empire is going to get her or something. But uh, so yeah, she's I mean, basically she a vigilante. Yeah, she ultimately does give it to the Rebellion, whether or not she's just working, but she's getting paid by the Rebellion or whatever. Mm. Okay. So she's a bit, kind of like Robin Hood. Gotcha. Hmm. And that's the Crimson Dawn mark. Okay. Yep. It always looks like a Death Star. Good, interesting point. Yep. Oh, that's so cool! You get Benthic two tubes from the Rogue One, and right. Warwick Davis's character from Episode One yep. of Phantom Menace comes back. You got a Rodian. I love like the diversity in like these different peoples. Well, that's one of the best parts of this movie is, you know, the different um, aliens and droids and mm. everything people we get, like, compared to, um, you know, compared to other Star Wars things, like, I think they did a really good job with it. I mean, that was, that was like, one of my critiques of, like, you and Force Awakens. I felt like it was just too, you know, not as many, like, aliens and other species and stuff in that movie. And this, they did a really good job at um, diversifying it mm. in terms of aliens. All right. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like anytime you, like these wide open sand shots, I just think they always look so cool in, in the uh, Star Wars movies, whether it be this or Rogue One, like on the beaches and stuff. Like, I, I just think it plays well, really well for a movie, for a Star I mean, Wars movie. That's probably their bet, though, some of their better shots in, in Star Wars. I mean, we see a lot of sand throughout the series, so. I mean, they, it's that's perfectly. They they do a really job, really good job of making it perfect. Like it's, mm -hmm. this is a gorgeous shot. Uh, again, I love how the dynamic is with this shot, with the characters. You know, you know, like something's about to go down. You can already tell. Yeah, yeah. And is it is it like is, is it mandatory in every movie where there's sand shots? the wind has to be blowing a little bit <laughs> like, I don't know it's like in every movie <laughs> well they are by Maybe. by a body of water and the bodies of water oh, that, do yeah. have like a sea breeze yeah yeah that, good, good point good uh that is actually very good reasoning is there nah, he, he kills okay so let me think I, I know like do they fight right now they have the little doors it later Later on. Alright. Yeah, we still got a bit. Oh, Tatooine. There we go. Job. <laughs> One of the biggest parts of the marketing. Big shot gangster putting together a crew. <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder who that is. 
Yep, what could have been. That's the thing with these these outlaws, and it goes into like Red Dead Redemption. Even it's like they're always like trying to make more money. They're so greedy. It's like, oh yeah, if I make this last job, I'll be good forever. Oh, I need one more job. I need another job. It's like just stop where you're at it and be safe and do your thing and not get killed. I had retired in Nabu. Say that again. I said I would retire to Nabu if oh, for I sure, was one dude. of those outlaws. Like if I was one of those outlaws and you scored a big payday, I'd be like, okay, I'm done. Uh, count me out of this criminal ring and peace out, people. Yeah, yeah, ain't no drama on Nabu no more. You're good. Yeah, go go chill out yep. next to some waterfall. Well, there's no turmoil until you know um, they screw up the weather and they have the thing that happens in Shattered Empire when the Emperor decides, oh, I want my own planet to be destroyed, and he tries to kill it. <laughs> so, well, thanks. Well, thank thank Leia shows up. Yeah, Leia shows up and stops <laughs> that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Milton, there there goes our retirement plans. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. <laughs> hey, at least we didn't retire to Alderaan. <laughs> mm -mm. Wait, so I know I think didn't what's his name talk to him just now prior to uh Beckett? Yeah. Like he knows he's screwing around. Oh, one hundred percent. Okay. I think. <laughs> I love how he's like dried a boss. He's got like the soft side. He he's a people person. He tries to tries to show compassion. You know. Mm -hmm. I thought he made a pretty good villain. Paul Bettany as Dragon Boss. A different kind of Star Wars villain that we're not used to seeing, really. Oh, for sure. I feel like he really brought back the, um, you know, like I said, he's different. Um, but I felt like he brought a lot of almost the kind of snarky-ish, like Peter Cushing vibes, like Peter Cushing brought with Tarkin, like kind of like, you know... Mm -hmm. Because cause they're the only really human villains we've had, per se. Like, I mean, I guess the Emperor's a villain, but it's, he's not really, you know, he's a Sith Lord. But, like, more just straight-up human villains, like, it's pretty much just Tarkin and Dryden Boss, isn't it? I mean... Right. Yeah. He has a lot of, like, a, a Bond, James Bond type of villain vibe. Like, he's got all this money, yep. he has all these artifacts, he's got all these power, these people working for him. I'm really confident. Now, why like does he want he... him to... Sh Go ahead. No, I was just going to do another Easter egg. I, he called. Uh, he offered him a color call fish. That's like the fish from uh, Phantom Menace that they're in the submarine yeah. running away from. <laughs> so why are you going to him to show him? Like, I, I, he sees it. I forget that. Yeah. They're supposed to be fake. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Again, guys, I apologize for watching this. Again, I haven't seen this in almost like a year and a half. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys here on this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really enjoy this movie. It's just like way down the line of like if I go and turn on a Star Wars movie, this is definitely not um, the one I instantly go to. Yeah, so apparently Dryden Voss, um, we don't, I guess he's considered a near human. 
So mm. that can mean a lot of things. Is he supposed to be like an alien or something? I guess like his he's he must have had he must be like a child of a human or something else. I think right. that's what that try to mean that means. Yeah. It's funny, they have a um a Hasbro Black Series figure that I've never actually seen, but apparently it's a Dryden Boss. If you put him in a freezer, it activates like his facial stripe things. If he, really? if he was in a cold. Yeah, if you put him in a freezer, it like activates them. It's pretty neat. Right. That's pretty cool. I think a lot of people were expecting Darth Maul to like walk through the door at that point. When they're like, oh, who's this big person going to be? It's, is it going to be somebody we know? Is it Darth Maul? No, it's Beckett. Oh, that's still surprising. <laughs> so Beckett's going to try to double-cross him now, which, again, like that makes sense for his character, but that is kind of stupid, though, bro. What are you doing? Like, you know, you know who he answers to. That is an interesting point, too. Like, you know who the overarching bad guy is? Like, are we going to really try to double-cross and... Stir up trouble with Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird though, but I mean, like I said, it's what it is. So, the, so this quaxium isn't fa- like it's all real though. Like none of it's fake. Hmm. Dude, she, she's gorgeous, man. I'm sorry. Like, she's so fire. <laughs> Very true. Like, I mean, this is why I want to live in Star Wars. Like, there's, there's not, not, it's not that many ugly women in Star Wars. Well, <laughs> there's, there's a couple. There's a couple. But, I mean, you know, humans yeah. don't. Hey. They, they look good. Hey, Damn. Amelia, if you're watching, call me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, this is this is the pen, this is the big climax here. Oh man. Sure. Yep, yeah, so Okay, so yeah, alright, so you did take it out. Yeah, so anyway, I mean it's just nice little standoff, you know, western style. Yep. As any good Star Wars story, there's like multiple perspectives going on, and they all tie together, and it all gets very fiery and very, very quick, very fast. <laughs> well, that's that's one of the good things I'm glad they kept up with this movie, even, is just sticking with that Star Wars trope of like multiple things going on. There goes Benthic, take him out. Right. <laughs> uh oh. He's here for us. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, like now, why would now? Here's the thing, now. Why would you start shooting mother freakers with all that gasoline around you? Yeah. Especially considering they've is... already. Go on. They've already seen the effect of what happens when they explode. It's like a freaking mountain-sized explosion. Right. It's a very good point. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what are you doing, bro? Like, it's goofy. 
Now, like I said, it's like I, I back it. It makes sense for him to pull this crap, but it's like you know, Maul's around the corner, right? Like he's the guy. Mm-hmm. I like. I I do like. Now, what what is he carrying? Are those his knives? Because I, I do like those. Those like little daggers. Yeah, or something. oh yeah, those are like special weapons. Um, again, he uses like the uh, not a Chani, uh, Terrascasi, I guess, for him to use those. Right. And I think it's insinua it's insinuated that Darth Maul taught him how to use like the melee weapons. Dryden Boss should kick his ass, but I mean that's he, he seems like obviously he can just handle himself, but there's no way Solo should actually beat him. Yeah. I mean you'd think, but he doesn't though. You th yeah, it's, it's Kira that does it. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, you said true because she takes care of him because she she uh she covers for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's like that moment that I think she's been also waiting for, like for like a self uh, promotion. <laughs> you know, it's just right. like, all right, well, this is my time to shine. I learned as yep. much as I can from this guy. It's time for me to kill him and move on into his position. Good point. Well, I mean, that's. That's the main thing, like, when it comes to these criminal elements in, um, oh, even in man. Star Wars. I mean, example, it just shows, like, you know, your underlings are always trying to take you out, whether it be, like, Vader and the Emperor, Dooku, Emperor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, the underlings are always out to get you. Yeah, she handily took uh, Han down so fast. That's not even funny. Okay. Dang. Nice. Gosh, watching all this stuff really makes me want her to be in these future Mando and Boba shows. Yeah, right? Oh. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, we, uh, it just would have made so much sense at the end of uh, Boba where, like, she's been watching him the whole time. Or. Mm -hmm. Or like we mentioned before, even when you were doing the finale, why not we cut to those criminal lords and instead of it being Fennec or something or Boba, have it be Kira taking out the these crime lords and, you know, yep. just shock everybody. To shut like, them up so they that would talk about the away. Crimson Dawn. That's who I thought it was going to yep. be. Oh, the internet would have had a meltdown then. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a possibility it could still happen, but again, I wanted them to at least lay a little bit of the seeds. Yeah. So well, we so will like, see. So she told him to go save Chewie. Fine. Did she even have like any intention for him to come back? Like, did she want him to come back? No, I think she was just saying that to get him out of her hair. Yeah, she's like, she's like, go, I'll be right behind you. All right. The equivalent of, hey, uh, we can't date. We're just, we're just friends. Yeah. Dude, this part, okay, I didn't, I did not expect to see this character show up. This is, this, this is the best part of the movie, <laughs> in my opinion. Oh, one hundred percent. Like I've watched one hundred percent. I was, I was cheering. <laughs> yeah, I've watched this clip like. Probably ten thousand times. I feel like whether literally, like, I'll be on the treadmill like watching this clip just be hype. I'm like, oh, I love it. It's like only a minute and a half or whatever it is. It's so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like because the music. 
The music's so good for this scene. It literally, to me, also feels like... I don't know why. It just feels like a wrestler, like a build-up. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know why it does, though. And then I'm thinking, oh, wait, they're going to bring him back in, like, a movie? Yeah. I was hyped, dude. I was like, let's go. And they got Sam Witwer to do the voice? Let's, let's get it. Yeah, Witwer and Ray Park is the, yeah. the body. Right. See, okay, so this is my this is why I think for the whole Kenobi show, you can do the Inquisitor and bring back Jason Isaacs to do the voice. Because oh, that's actually this, a very good point. Yeah, they, they did they did I it with Maul. Oh yeah. Like you can you can do the voice. I I don't need to hear this other British guy talk. I want to hear Jason Isaacs do the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, Ray Ray Park looks amazing. Yeah, when he grabbed that that saber is fire too. I love the little hooks on it. Interesting thing with Maul. Um, like, see, all these things are laying seeds for a solo two, like, or something with the Crimson Dawn. Um, and like, man, Darth Maul, just yeah. incredible. Well, two two things about Maul. So, like, two things I was hearing around this time was people were mad because I, I believe Collider did like a review. They were like, there was no need for him to ignite his lightsaber. They just put a lightsaber in the movie. I'm like, well, no. That showed that he was serious and that he needed her to understand. Yeah, he's the authority. Like I'd yeah. be kind of worried too. And two people were like, oh, all Darth Maul looks like shit. What? Oh, why does he look all? People were saying that they're like, he looks like shit. And why is he all scarred up? And like, y'all Dude. forget he's been he's been around well, since. He's well, been around since that. how long? Yeah, there was that Milton, and I saw some people even criticizing doing the whole dad bod criticism of Ray Park, and I'm like, dude. Like, come on. Like, yeah. it's a hologram for one. And for it, two, you know, like you said, he's been through so much. And for three, like, like, do you think Ray Park was going to get in, like, amazing, amazing shape for a, a little, little, little cameo? Like, and here's a, he, he didn't even look bad. That's the thing. No, I, no, remember I him, never thought bad about it. No, he, Ray Park's a, a, a martial artist. Martial artist, yeah. And he's a swordsman. Like, he, you know he's been in shape all his life. So it's like... As you get older, you do put on a little bit more weight than normal. It happens, but he looks great. He he would wreck any of us without he's not yeah. even trying on his worst day. I mean, at the time of this movie, I think he's like forty one, forty two, like early right. like forty ish. Like he's not twenty. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is in nineteen ninety nine. Like, or yeah, I guess in ninety seven when they filmed the first movie, and this would have been yeah. when this come out. Solo came out eighteen. 20, so 20, 18, twenty. Eight. Yeah. Twenty one years That's, later. Yeah, you know, and for him to be early 40s and look that great, that's awesome. But Darth Maul's, like, skin looking, like, scarred up, that's how it should be. This man was ripped in half, a spider. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he was... Still he, he funny had, to think that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Metal <laughs> legs. He was electrocuted by the Emperor. You know, people forget that. Yep. He's been on the run for how long? He, he got wrecked by Ahsoka. He fought Obi-Wan a whole bunch of time. Like, come on, man. Like, of course he's going to be all scarred up and hurt. Or we like, like, just not looking the greatest. I can't lie. I know we've seen a lot. And I mean a lot of Darth Maul. But watching this again, I really need to see Darth Maul again in live action yeah. to some degree. Well, we're supposed to... We were, there was a rumor a while ago that we were getting a Darth Maul animated series about him with Crimson Dawn. Like, right after yep. Clone Wars or something. Well, I didn't yep. do that for a comic book, I think... 
They did a Darth like, Maul um, miniseries that took place right before Phantom Menace. When, uh, yeah, but mm. I remember they did like the Dath Son of Dathomir. Oh, comics, Son of Dathomir. That that was in the Clone War period. Yeah, that's so that's Clone, like yeah, um, yeah. after season five when he gets becomes prisoner by Palpatine. They right. did that whole story where he like gets out of prison, like the Mandalorians free him. Um, and that's right. Cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know we've been talking Maul the last like what ten minutes. I mean, I know this isn't a Maul movie, but he's an he's an important character. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But I so at this point, they're giving the oil back or the gasoline back to the people. Like what? This is a showing that Han's actually a good person. Yeah. And not selfish. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so then I'm curious about okay, what happened to him? between now and new hope where he becomes like kind of a selfish jerk again and he doesn't care about no one else except for himself and Chewie. Yeah. Well, there's at least yeah, 10 years I mean, of time or nine or 10 years between this and that. So right. that can change, I guess. I mean, I don't know. You can't even really extrapolate anything out of this movie other than maybe, Maybe he sees Kira being selfish going off, you know, you know, so he just kind of drifts down that path as well. But still, like, that's a lot to extrapolate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie to New, New Hope. Yeah. Obviously. So what's he doing with this piece? He's this is gonna be what for currency? Yeah, it's like his cut. That's right. He he bets that. Okay. Yeah. Don't Makes lose sense. that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's just worth twenty thousand credits. Don't don't lose that. <laughs> now this shot here of the jungle was that promotional shot at celebration for Star for um, Rogue One. Like that over the forest shot, they re they reuse that from that trailer for this movie apparently. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, we see a Twi'lek in this movie. There we go. I also thought there was one over in uh, the the Mines of Castle though. I think I seen one. That's too funny. So I, after looking at this film again, I didn't realize that he actually saw the card, like in the arm. I I <laughs> never caught that shot until now. <laughs> okay. Oh. I was close. I said twenty thousand. <laughs> Why not? Uh, do you guys? I don't know if you if you knew about this, but um, during the release of this movie, they had the promotion. Um, there was like a deal with them and and um, Denny's, the diner or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. And yep, I'd gone there that. specifically to like get the cards because you could get the cards for like the Sabat game or something. I was like, yeah, yeah well, me and my buddy went there one day, and I got the um, the guy with the the lobster claw hands. I forget what his name is. Yeah. <laughs> And I got I got a special cup that I have somewhere. Oh yeah, it's right up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was back in also um I mean I'm sure you remember Milton too. That was back in like the Collider Heyday because that was they were doing the Jedi Council yeah, from Denny's that entire right. period leading yes. up to it. That was back in the, the old they heyday were. with Campion, Arloff, and all yeah. all the old the old crew. 
before they broke up. Like, yeah, they were. I gotta go back and watch that. They were actually in a Denny's. Yeah. Yeah, they did the show. They did multiple, <laughs> multiple, like leading up to this, like like the four weeks, because you know how council was was once a week. Like for the for, for the four or five weeks leading up to this, they were literally doing council from Denny's. Like they were pulling over random customers, like asking them questions on set and everything, um, while they were sitting there doing the show. Back then, it was good times. Good times. Yeah. See, okay, oh, no, I, I felt I felt towards and at the end of this movie, you really got to see a lot of that Harrison Ford come out of him. Mm -hmm. Oh, he got that. better. He he got way better throughout the movie. I feel yeah, like for sure, for sure. All right, Lawrence. I forgot that Lawrence and his son wrote this movie. Yep. There you go. Last shot of the dice. And there's yeah. Solo Star Wars story. We've done it. We've watched it. We've talked about it. Hopefully, uh. Our, our plan with these movies is to give you guys something to listen to on the car ride. Most of you, probably all of you, have watched this movie. So it's like muscle memory for your brains with Star Wars. So um, we try to have a conversation, you know, flowing around just different things that pop up into our brains at the time. And hopefully we don't have too much dead sound. I know at certain moments we're like all like really plugged in, as we always say. But uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed our conversation. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the, the big thing after this is like, Hey, there's supposed to be two more movies. At least Alden Ehrenreich was reportedly uh, said to have signed up for, for three movies, I guess, if, if this first one went well. Yeah. Know. The rest is history yeah. now that we know about this. Well, well at, yeah. at, at this point, though, I mean, with the streaming platforms, like, they can, they can now, they can do a series. Like, it, I, it won't hurt to do a series. Oh, yeah, a series. I think what they really should do, you know, just like the... Uh, the Snyder Cut was so huge for um, HBO. They need to, if you want to market Disney Plus, because Disney Plus, like, let's be real, people only go to Disney Plus for Star Wars and Marvel, and that's pretty much it for like the majority of like um, a lot of people. So, like, to market Disney Plus even more, why not make your first, like, a big first exclusive Star Wars movie on Disney Plus? Like, make a Solo 2 movie, put it on Disney Plus, like, like, right. I think it would be a huge hit. Um, and, yeah, I just, I don't know. It just feels like Solo has a lot of potential to make that jump, make that impact, like you said, whether it be a series or a movie. Um, and there's a lot of adventures you can tell with Solo without having to have the galactic implications. Like, you can have these characters like Lando and Boba and Dengar and, you know, all these random characters. Jabba, of course um to play into it and you know you don't even need to touch the overall galactic scale of the of the um the galaxy yeah i think having a if they're ever gonna test out like hey let's have a disney plus movie for star wars like we do for all the pixar ones we got turning red coming out uh whatever it's called uh in, in the next week put this one out there like hey okay well we we tried it in the at in the theaters it's not working we could save ourselves a lot of money from marketing and just throw it up on disney plus and maybe make like uh five million subscribers join us that month you know something like yeah. that where it's like all right that they have money to play around with maybe not have a huge budget maybe have the budget like the size of a season of the tv series or something because they look great enough as it is so yeah that's a good point good point for sure yeah. yeah, but I, I think I think I think Solo is underrated. 
I think people need to give it another opportunity. Are, are, are there some moments in it that probably doesn't work for everyone? Absolutely. People are going to probably think about Harrison Ford the whole time, but it's a good film. It's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's definitely not bad. Solo, Solo, I think, is an underrated movie just because of the fact it got overshadowed so much in people's minds due to the movie that was released prior to it um, a few months before. So, like, I think with that, you know, you have um, you had a lot of layover of people who didn't really, you know, they went into to Solo with a negative mindset. And the best part about it is you've seen a lot of these people. Oh, we lost you. A few years. I think we lost Ben. There you go, Ben. We lost you for a second. Oh, that's weird. Um, yeah, I still heard you guys. But anyways, um, so like when Netflix added Solo a few years ago, that was such a big, you know, it was trending all the time on Netflix's most watched, like, you know, on their top 10 thing. Like it was always like, you know, in the top 10, like seven, eight, nine, six, right. like it was all, it was in the top 10 a lot. So that shows there is a following there and it has rewatchability for that following. So like, like, like the Snyder cut, like you could easily do an exclusive you know, like you said, Chris, you could get five, ten million people joining Disney Plus and then potentially, you know, have hangover on, you know, have them hang on longer as subscribers, you know, because they could be like, oh, let's watch these other things, you know, let's, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's a lot of potential there. And I feel like that would be a good testing the waters for Star Wars to see how an exclusive streaming movie would be versus a uh, theater movie. Right. Oh man, yeah. So what? What one heck of an experience here? Like I was, yeah, I, I one... it's just like Indiana Jones in space, kind of. I really like this this kind of feel. Oh yeah, definitely. It definitely is an Indiana Jones feel. I mean, heck, we got the Crystal Skull in this movie, so it definitely has an Indiana Jones feel. Um, so you know, one thing like wrapping up our whole commentary and everything. So let's, uh, you guys want to go around the room. What do you guys rate this movie? I mean, we, we rate everything else around here. So let's, let's, uh, right. give it a rating out of 10. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go first on it. Um, I, I actually like this film is not trash. It, it definitely had some backlash from that previous film that came up before it, but I, I try not to hold that against it. And I understand the circumstances behind the filmmaking of the directors and, how Star Wars executives are being weird about firing directors and hiring them, whatever. But other than that, though, it was a solid story. I loved Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. I saw the potential of what this movie could be if it was like a trilogy or a miniseries. So if I'm going to rank this out of 10, I'd say this is a solid 8 out of 10. You know what? I hate to be, you know, the same level with you, but I was actually thinking of eight out of ten myself. Yeah, it's, I it's think, not. It's not a bad movie at all. It has some problems, but it's not. It's not terrible. Yeah, I think like some of the camera work is awesome. I made. I made yeah. mention of that a couple times. Some of the the music cues are awesome. Absolutely. Um, the middle part, as you pointed out, I never really noticed it that being that slow. But yeah, it does slow down quite a bit. Um, you know, some things that are real world things that we. You know, unfortunately, that things played the way they did. There's no way around it. But other than that, a solid movie, a solid movie. You know, I put it as as you know, eight for me is more like a great. Seven is like good. Six is like fine. I, I would put it up there. It's a pretty great movie for me. 
Yeah, I can. I funny thing is, I can echo that exact same point with you guys. I would give it an eight out of ten as well, just because I think it's fun. You know, we have some good action. We obviously yeah. have the um, cameo of Maul, but setting even the setting the cameo of Maul cut that out of the movie, and the movie's still a lot of fun as a whole. Like, you know, we get good action. Uh, as you both said, the only point in this movie that really uh, was a negative for me was that twenty minute stretch we had hanging around that building. Yeah. Other than that, the whole movie as a whole was really good. I didn't like the color palette early on in the movie, right? But the, yep. but the action sequences, the train, the uh, everything, the character development of Han, I think they did a really good job. Chewie finally got some good, really good action. I think that he deserved, which I think played out played out really well. And you know, overall for me, I would have to give this an eight out of ten. Well, there you go. First spit-off movie. Next up is Rogue One. A Star Can't wait Wars for that story. One. Oh now, yeah, that, that's oh, that, no. that's honestly that that's probably my favorite Star Wars movie of the Disney era Star Wars, and it's a top three Star Wars movie for me without question. And, and it's very time. Ti- it's very timely for this year because we have Andor coming out later this year, so yep. I won't have to do another rewatch because I'll be doing it here eventually. Um, mm-hmm. Like we say, if it's a slow a slow news week, we got commentaries, plenty of them left. So yep. That's so, what you oh, before, before, before we conclude, so here's my thoughts on future commentaries. Have we thought about even exploring like a Clone Wars episode or two here or there? Like, comment doing that. I thought about it. I th- I thought about yeah. it today actually. So, um, I think it could be something that that could be a lot of fun. I, 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 I bring it up. Say... I bring it up because my brother started rewatching Clone Wars again. He's like Milton. He legit texted me and he's like, "Clone Wars is so good." He's like, "You need to go back and rewatch it." I'm like, "You're probably right. I need to." Yeah, so yeah. that would be a blast. That would be a blast, actually, and it would give us, um, you know, something to talk about. And hey, you know, a thing we can kind of do for something like um, a Clone Wars rewatch, we can, you know, I mean, even though it's shorter, heck, we could just make it like a double feature. Like if it's a, you know, a three part arc or something or whatever. Like we could, you know, watch the three episodes for an hour because you know they're only twenty two minutes a piece, so right. we can bang out mm-hmm. a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's usually three to four episode arcs, which we could easily do uh easy. in, in yeah. one video, right? So we usually go for two hours. So and yeah. uh yeah, we are here for just a little bit over two hours. So uh hopefully everybody enjoyed and, and send us your scores in the in the chat even after the fact. Uh let us know your scores as well. Remember we have an email address too. If you guys want to send us questions, we're happy to answer those. Our email address is outerroomtransmission at gmail.com. So Go ahead and send in your questions after the fact, and uh, we'll try our best to answer them in a timely fashion. Um, of course, as I said off the top, make sure you go ahead and you tune in every Friday around 9 o'clock Eastern is when we go live here, and you can chat with us then. Or you can download us after the fact every Monday following that episode um, on that Friday, and we'll have that available on Apple, on Google, on Amazon, everywhere you can find a podcast. Just search Outer Rim Transmission. Uh, so what are you guys going to be talking about this week on Twitter or chiming in on? I know there's right. a, a certain other fandom that has a very big movie that a lot of people are talking about. Are either of you seeing the Batman this week? I most likely will see it uh, probably either tomorrow or Monday. I'm off on Monday, which is nice. I have a three-day weekend, which is great. Nice. Um, if I don't see it tomorrow, like I said, it'll be probably Monday. I'll probably do some golfing on Sunday. Because there's no football, so I'm trying to at least, like, you know, do something on Sundays. Yeah. Um, and other than that, though, hitting the gym and just relaxing, man, and just and trying to enjoy a three-day weekend. 
But uh, yeah, other than that, though, I'm excited for the Batman. Hopefully, it's good. I hear good things. How about you guys? Yeah, I got tickets for Monday night, so uh, I'll be watching it. <laughs> in nice, Gotham nice. City itself, I'll be watching it in New York, so I'll be right in the right. Wait, wait, area. I thought. Wait, wait, a minute. I, I thought Gotham was based off of Camden, New Jersey. What? I, that's what I was. Uh, my research has told really? me over the years. See, I, I thought up. I heard. I thought I heard. I thought I've heard that as well, Chris. I am I am one hundred. Yeah, like it's, it's pieces of New York, or it could be Camden, New Jersey. Like, because I think Metropolis is like somewhere in Delaware, because uh, like the whole like Bay yep. relation oh. or something. You go check it out, Chris. Jer- Jersey's right. your spot, so you should know. <laughs> but I, you yeah. won't ever catch me anywhere near Camden. That's a oh no, hang on. Oh, yeah, yeah, Cam- Camden's as a, over the top. As a wise Jedi master once said, it's a hive of scum and villainy. I don't want to go near. <laughs> yeah, they're not oh. wrong. If anyone from Jersey listen to this, I'm sorry, but it's true, and you, you know it too. So like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, sounds sounds like a good weekend for you guys. I have similar plans. Most likely, we'll see it this coming week at some point. Um, ideally, early on. And then, other than that, for the weekend, just gaming, uh, meal prepping on, on uh, Xbox. Well, just playing, playing some Madden, and you know, playing some Battlefront and stuff. So that's always which, that's always which fun. Battlefront. The uh, the new Battlefront too. I oh, guess. Oh, I'm surprised. I thought you were gonna say 20, 2005. Well, oh, I would say if you if you just said PlayStation Two, I'd be like, oh my god, I'm coming to go get it right now. I need to. Uh, well, the thing is, I need to actually buy the original, uh, buy Battlefront 2 off the Xbox store, because, yeah. you know, since I got the new Xbox, I can't use the disc yeah. anymore. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm kind of out of luck on that front, mm. you know, doing that, and then I will just be most likely meal prepping and playing nice. on Sunday. Diet's going good. I'm down five pounds now in nice, three man. weeks. Damn. Yeah, so we're, so we're, so we're getting there, and got a, got a ways to go, for sure, but... Yeah. Hey, it's a process losing a pound or two pounds a week. It's, it's going good. good that's though. a good way. That's a good way to do it. Nice that's and awesome. healthy. That's how you do it. Yeah. Just, yeah, and I'll exactly. tell you what. Now as I'm thinking about it, Ben, I might have to go up to our state capital, which is Harrisburg. There, there, there's a store up there that has some vintage games. If I can find Battlefront Two from '05, <laughs> I might have to get it. You got, you got, gotta play. You gotta play the campaign with Tamara Morrison narr- narrating, oh, narrating yeah. as the clone trooper like that. Yeah, I might. You know what, Ben? I might have to make a trip up there this weekend yeah, for, because you for, know. Yeah, for anybody listening, if you if you have a chance to play the original Battlefront 2, for sure play the campaign. It's called Rise of the Empire. And you literally start from the Battle of Geonosis and you play clear until the Battle of Endor. And yeah. you're narrated you know, you're getting narrated throughout the entire thing by Tamara Morrison as this clone trooper making his way through basically the Empire. Oh and my it's, gosh, it's that's awesome. Great, 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 great story. Like like one of my favorite parts, I know this is really extending the podcast, but hey, that's what we do. Um, like one of my favorite parts that whole campaign is when you get to Order 66, it's great because like, you know, you hear Tamara Morrison narrating and, you know, you get to the part with Kiati Mundi and he's like, uh, you know, when the, when the orders came in from the Emperor, uh, you know, he basically is like when the orders came in from the Emperor, you know, I, I'm glad we were all wearing helmets that day because we, you know, basically you know, they felt really bad for having to kill their Jedi general. Like, they, the clone troopers in that iteration still felt, you know, they, they weren't turned so robotically like they are, they were in, you know, the recent arcs. Mm-hmm. But they still felt, they still actually felt for the Jedi generals, even though they were having to kill them. So, like, it, it put more, like, personality to the clone troopers. And it's, 
it's an amazing campaign. Like you literally play through the entire empire side of things, which is great compared to, you know, being on the, uh, the rebellion side. Now, um, real quick. Now yep. that's the game that we have to remake. Um, remember we were talking about respawn having like three games of development. One of them is being led by the guy that did the original battlefronts. Like let mm -hmm. that be the story. That transition oh, of a clone right. oh, to yes. a trooper. Maybe make him a death trooper eventually or something like oh, that. Like, that'd be sick. Oh, that, that would be amazing. And my one, one of my favorite parts of that campaign is, uh, is when, you're, when you go to the Jedi Temple. Like, you literally go to the Jedi Temple oh. and you have, to you have to slowly take over the Jedi Temple, you know, different parts of it, destroying, like, the Jedi archives and everything. And then you... Um, you know, it's great because, like, after you secure a certain part of the temple, they're like, uh, Master Skywalker is la or Master Skywalker is entering the temple. Prepare for, uh, prepare, you know, whatever. And then, you know, you click over on your directional pad and you become Anakin. And oh. it's great. And it's great. So, you know, you get to go in and, you know, you get a bunch of Jedi Masters coming out trying to, like, trying to take you out. And it's funny. Uh, <laughs> funny in, like, a dark way, I guess. But it's funny the way... The way that whole sequence ends, like you take out all these Jedi Masters, and like when you take over, like the main parts, like the main part you end taking over is like leading into like the council chambers where the younglings are are at, oh and then it and then it cuts, you know, and you go to the next huh. mission. <laughs> wow. But, uh, but now that that was you know that was a different time back in gaming when you know nowadays games would probably get roasted for that just because the way things are. But <laughs> that original campaign, great stuff, guys. There you go. So, so gaming is coming back for Star Wars, even if we have to go back in time and play some of the classics. So, so you guys can follow Ben on Twitter at Real Ben Maynard. You can follow yep. Milton at Milton Weber Seven. You can follow I Chris Star Raptor at Star Raptor. Uh, thanks everybody for watching and tune in next week to see what we might be talking about. That's gonna do it for us here. That was Outer Rim Transmission number forty-eight and Transmission.